is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Crank the AC. The heat wave continues here in early June in Winnipeg. We got a hot show coming up here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to, ha- great to have you all with us. Huss and Remo with you. And um, it's going to be a real good one. Looking forward to talking Bombers and more with Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on. Our good friend Pat Gregoire from uh, Cool Bet just finished up the uh, NLL season. And also got us a winner in the lock shop for the uh, Golf RBC Canadian Open this week. So we'll hit a bunch of topics with Pat at the end of the program. We've got an awesome segment coming up in a few minutes with NHL analyst Dave Poulin. We'll hit the Stanley Cup final, but also really looking forward to getting Dave's insight as to what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets right now and how this team might change things up over the course of the next few weeks heading into the draft in Nashville, as well as what he thinks about the Cole Caulfield extension today and what that might do to Montreal's ability to acquire a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois. All of that coming up in a few minutes. Great to have you all with us. If if you're finding us right now, make sure to hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. And Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is also available on podcast every day right around 3 p.m. Go to your favorite podcast feed if you are with us on YouTube and uh, just put in Winnipeg Sports Talk, Talk and make sure you subscribe to the audio podcast should be available about every day around 3.30, right after we finish the live broadcast, just in time for your ride home from work. Uh, before we get to Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Assiniboia Downs, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man. And a special thanks to our friends at CoolBet. If you missed the news last week, three weeks from today, we will begin a week of shows from Nashville, Tennessee at the NHL Draft. Uh, everyone expects this to be, you know, potentially um, the most interesting week, maybe, or month, shall we say, in a long time for the Winnipeg Jets. And we will be there with live coverage on Winnipeg Sports Talk and additional content beginning on the 26th of June. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk, the NHL draft presented by our great partners over at Cool Bet Canada. And Pat Gregoire is going to join us a little bit later on on the program today. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, how was your uh, how was your weekend? Did you manage to stay cool? It was hot. It was very, very hot. Hustler. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I stayed cool on the weekend. was able to make it out to a pool on Saturday. Yesterday, yesterday was tough, man. Really hot out there. So making sure I'm staying hydrated, uh, doing all the things. Uh, so, yeah, I would say stay cool. Make sure you're drinking water. Out there. Get a good water bottle. Very key. I like cold water, so I have one that uh, keeps it cold all day, no matter how hot it is outside. Oh, I just see a shout-out, Isha Boy Bruce, saying, uh, Happy Monday, everyone. Great weekend, fun Bombers game. Always cool to see my guy, Haas. It was great to see Bruce. And Bruce Remo was rocking, as was I, the uh, Bomber version of that Winnipeg Sports Talk hat. If, you, if you're, if you I've had a bunch of people were asking me about it. I posted a picture of it on the weekend. Check out winnipegsportstalk.com slash store 
for everything that we've got going on. And if you're in the neighborhood of Royal Sports, pop in. I think they might have a couple left of those, as well as all the other Winnipeg Sports Talk lids and toques there with our great partners over at Royal Sports. Uh, just quickly on that Bomber game, Reem, uh, fun night uh, for a preseason game. Pretty good crowd, very young crowd, and very fun crowd. A lot of people really take making the most of a 31-degree Friday night in early June. As I said on the program, it was going to be a very bad day to be a cold beer at IG Field, and uh, people were having plenty of them, including 1919s, which are now available at, I believe, six or eight spots around the uh, around the stadium. I mean, the game itself was not really anything of note. It was just... Let's get through this without anyone getting injured. Many of the uh, Bombers' top starters not playing. But, man, that quarterback, Pigrome, Piggy T, as they call him, was the guy everyone was talking about after the game. Uh, He came in and led the Bombers on consecutive scoring drives in the second half to get the Bombers back in the game. And I heard Mike O'Shea talking afterwards about Pigrome. And uh, you can tell he is excited and intrigued about the skill set that this young man brings to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, uh, reading the Winnipeg Sun, Ted Wyman writes, 24,654 sweat-soaked fans oh, at, investors group, at Investors Group Fields. Uh, thanks for the visual there, there Ted. But, uh, you know, people want to go out, enjoy the Bombers. Doesn't matter if it's preseason. Uh, it's just a fantastic... Friday night in Winnipeg, and yeah, a lot of talk about who's going to be the Bombers' third-string QB. That was, like, really the only position battle, and uh, what a preseason for Pigrome. Dazzled in the first game, and in game two on Friday against Saskatchewan, five of six passing, 65 yards and a touchdown, ran five times for 43 yards as well, getting it done with his arm, with his legs. Uh, Maybe he's good enough, Huss, to uh, throw... A gadget play in the Grey Cup this year, right? Hey, to- <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, Buck Pierce has some some packages that, and listen, this might not happen week one against Hamilton, but uh, mark my words, if he's on the squad and Zach Calero stays healthy, we're going to still see some piggy T. Now, there'll be plenty of short yardage opportunities, I, I imagine, but like there was that one play where he got her in the space and just trucked the two DBs that were trying to trying to tackle him. And I don't know if you caught the uh, the post game interview on OB with Mike O'Shea, uh, but DT was asking him a little bit about uh, about Pigrome and uh, you know O'Shea usually is pretty reserved when it comes to talking about players. Period, but especially rookies, guys that are new. I couldn't help but feel the excitement um, and the possibilities and the potential of Pogrom in this bomber offense when hearing from Mike O'Shea. We'll talk about it a little bit more with Hammer later on, but there was a bit of news. I mean, cuts were made, Reem, and the one name that I think, well, I'm not sure if it caught people by surprise, but we were wondering whether he'd be on that list was Mark Leggio, who was in fact released. So it be, looks like it'll be one of the global kicker punters. He'll be handling the punting duties and no surprise that Sergio Castillo is going to be the place kicker for the blue and gold. Yeah, I think once they signed, you know, the conversation the whole offseason was who's the kicking, who's kicking. And eventually when they got Castillo, you're like, okay, Leggio, yeah, his days are definitely numbered. He's not going to be kicking here. Is he going to be punting? Well, they brought in the two global punters who've impressed and 
Uh, I guess they didn't have room for him. You know, cut him. I think he'll catch on with another organization, but maybe it was best for the Bombers and Legio to move on and part ways. You know, he did make that big kick against, uh, you know, what was it? the Labor Day Classic in Regina, but, um, you know, he had the two miscues, you know, what, the Grey Cup and the you know, loss to Montreal at home. I don't know if the Bombers had full confidence in Legio, so they wanted to go into another direction. Yeah, so anyways, we'll get to all that as well as Kenny Lawler's status with Hamilton coming up a little bit later on on the program. Um, but, Remo, let's get to uh, – uh, listen, we'll get to the cup final you know, with Dave and, and maybe later on when we're talking about a big win for Vegas and a pretty good game on Saturday night. But to be honest, what was catching Jet fans' attention more than anything that happened in the game was Elliot Friedman's intermission hit where he touched on a number of the stories going on around the league, including a busy offseason for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, the Stanley Cup final, has, you know, you have the Gary Bettman's pregame press conference, which, you know, he spoke about, what, the Senators sale, uh, World Cup of Hockey, oh, the Coyotes, obviously, Never going away. Stan- what did and, he say um, about the World Cup? I missed that. Are we getting it next said, year? He said it's. A, they're talking and it's a priority. That's I that guess was that's it. better than that's, that's better than we don't have any updates on it. Yeah, that's better than yeah. I I agree. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear they need to get that done with the success of the baseball. But you know, every I feel like this is like Stanley Cup intermission. Huss, like uh, what do they call it now? It's not thirty-two thoughts. What do they call his little his little hit there, Elliot? Anyways. For him to include the Jets, we have the report here. Huh? So you want me to just throw to it so I can shut up? Yeah, yeah. This is, if you missed it on the weekend, uh, and I mean, listen, he's hitting a bunch of things. I mean, it sounds like Mike Babcock's the new head coach in Columbus. Uh, we'll talk to Dave about this, but the big news today, Cole Caulfield signed an eight-year extension with the Habs at 62.8. So he comes in at 7.85 for an eight-year extension. Um, so there's lots going on around the league. Greg Cronin uh, from the AHL Colorado team is the new head coach of the Ducks. But as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets, um, Elliot Friedman, one of, if not the most respected insider, dropped this nugget on the Jets offseason and what is on the table right now for Winnipeg at the intermission. Here's how it sounded. I think Winnipeg knows that it's going to have to listen on some of their key players, Hellebuck, Shifley, Dubois, who have one year remaining. But what I think the Jets have made very clear is this is not going to be a rebuild. They are not tearing it down and they are not starting over again. Obviously, there could be some futures as part of these trades if it happens, but they've got a lot of good players on term contracts and they want to support them. So they're looking for players, if they make these deals, that can help right away, not just futures. This won't be a rebuild. All right, so uh, so there you have it. I mean, I, I think it goes without saying that the team is listening and maybe making some calls of their own to galvanize or to gauge interest and what teams would be willing to pay for the likes of Dubois, Mark Scheifele, and Connor Hellebuck. But it was interesting, Remo, of how... Um, how clearly and emphatically Elliot Friedman stated that this team is not going into a rebuild. And again, I, I kind of think of this as more semantics. Um, 
you can call it what you want. There's going to be, and they're considering some significant change. And I think most people agree that some significant change needs to happen with this club. And I certainly have never thought that they were going to be going scorched earth. I, I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, with some of the players not named Connor Hellebuck leaving, depending on what comes back, this team could be better next year. But I do think that the elements of these trades, I think you'd have to consider the possibility that at least on paper going into next year, depending on what's coming back, if there is some younger players, if there are some picks, you know, it might not be the roster that you finished with last year. To me, that needs to happen. Um, but it's also pretty clear that whoever was giving that information to Elliot made a point of making sure that he said to Winnipeg Jet fans that this is not going to be torn down to the studs. Um, and to me, that's not surprising. I mean, when you've got players like Morrissey and Connor and Ehlers uh, on contract, um, you know, I, I think you've got enough talent that even if you traded those guys for all for futures, you'd still be a competitive team, whether you'd be a playoff team or not. Um, bottom line is that there it could be some significant and probably should be some significant change on the horizon. And it certainly sounds like those back channels are being worked big time right now. Yeah, I did enjoy watching that. It was like they needed a flashing text on the screen saying the Jets are not rebuilding. I think Elliot said they're not rebuilding three different ways. He said it at the beginning. Uh, he said it at the end. And he also said they're not tearing it down. However, I think if you're you know considering trading those three players, and I think you have to definitely listen in because as Kevin Sheveldayoff says, if the phone rings and guys are interested, well, you have to, you have to answer. You have to listen. But and you also can't let those guys go for nothing at the end of the year. Right. I mean, part of the reason why we are assuming that these conversations almost have to happen is that Mark Scheifele's got one year left. I, I think it's time for him to move on anyways, but I'm not sure that they're willing to give him a massive raise and a long-term deal on the other side of 30. And from all accounts, Pierre-Luc Dubois has rebuffed all opportunities to re-sign long-term. He's got one year left under team control. If you aren't re-signing those guys, you need to figure it out now <laughs> and make something happen so that you're moving on from those players with guys that can both take their spots as well as maybe a player or two that might not be ready to be a Shifley or Dubois this year, but could be that long-term. And we'll touch on this with Dave, but I mean, uh, you know, players early on in their careers, ELCs, second contracts that maybe haven't yet popped, I would imagine that that will be where the Winnipeg Jets are looking to add right now. And again, you can frame it however you want for the public. This is a pretty keen hockey market. I think the fans are smart enough to realize that these moves need to happen right now. And uh, but 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 I do get it that they're like everyone is not for sale right now. I mean, they're not looking to do what the Chicago Blackhawks or the Arizona Coyotes have been doing, and I don't think anyone expected that. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't expect them, but I think if you're still trading those guys away, as you said on Twitter, as it is definitely a re something. Is, yeah. Fr Frank Cervelli and his uh, trade targets on Friday said the Jets are going to remake their roster. If you want to like use that one, yeah. If you want to use uh, like building a house, are you doing some remodeling? Uh, I, I threw it out to our Discord. Is it reshaping the roster, reconstructing the Winnipeg Jets, recalibrating the team going forward? I don't think they're going for the total reset. Might be a retool, but they're going to try to reload. For the future, as they reconfigure uh, what the what they look like for the upcoming season, so it is a re 
something. And I don't think like that it's a hard, fast thing to say a rebuild is only when you trade everyone on your team, like Chicago did, and you try to finish last and get number one. I mean, like degrees of coincidences, there's degrees of a rebuild. I think, you know, if you take, traded those guys, got some young players and picks, you took a step back for next season because what? Are they going to try to compete again? And, you know, compete again for a cup? You know, trading away those guys? Like, what are you going to get back for players who have one year remaining on their contracts? Other players with also one year remaining on their contracts? So I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. So, look, we know they have good prospects. We've talked a lot about McGrory. We saw Lambert in the Memorial Cup. I think they could re, you know, retool for a couple years ahead. But if you're just trying to, like, you don't want to be in a situation where you're like Vancouver and you're refusing to do what needs to be done and you're outside the playoffs for, I don't know, since the Sedins retired. They haven't been good and they keep trading away picks uh, for bad, you know, for bad contracts and veteran players. So I'm curious to see what happens. I know, you know, we can argue about the definition of rebuild all we want, but it's pretty clear they've got to make a decision on these players and decide if they're going to lose them uh, for nothing or not. One thing I will say, the Jets division is really bad. Like there's some like Arizona. Gone to the days of the mighty central. Yeah. Arizona, not great. St. Louis, um, you know, they missed the playoffs. Uh, Chicago, you know, they're getting the number one pick. They were pretty not good. Uh, Who else do I got? Nashville didn't make the playoffs. So, the Jets are, you know, there are actually are in a spot where they could make the playoffs. But like, what are you just going to try to limp in and and pray like uh, like Florida, like the Florida did Panthers this year? Oh, who are in oh, the wait. Cup final right now as oh, the sixteenth oh. team out of sixteen by points? <laughs> oh, oh wait, oh wait. I mean, there there is a nature there is a yeah. nature of PR to this. And and mm-hmm. listen, I got a lot of respect for all of the work that the insiders do. I mean, they their information. Uh, traders, if you will. Um, they sometimes will get things on condition. And obviously, people needed to know and wanted to hear some sort of confirmation of things that are happening right now in Winnipeg. So that's there. But from a Jets perspective, it's pretty clear the organization wants to know, hey, we're not looking to be a terrible team for the next couple of years. And I mean, Scardi in chat says, so we shouldn't renew season tickets until we figure out whether it's a rebuild. I think it's important for people to know, um, at least from their perspective, is that this is not like you should not be. It, there's some pretty key players that could be on the move, but this is not an operation that's looking to you know be in the mix for the number one overall pick next year or the year afterwards. They do want to be competitive. We'll see what happens with those deals. But to be honest, I don't think there's a lot of people that are sitting around going, well, listen, I'm good. I'm only going to buy season tickets if they trade all the players and have a garbage team for the next couple of years. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, they've got a lot of work to do right now. Uh, we've talked about that before with their ticket campaign, um, you know, with building more support within the corporate community, with getting some fans back that for whatever reasons have left. Um, being terrible for the next couple of years, I don't think helps them at all. But what is going to help them is to reset the culture of the team, to replace a few players that have been key members of this club for a long time, and you know, kind of begin this movement into this next window, if you want to call it, um, for the Winnipeg Jets and really give the keys to the Josh Morrisseys, the Adam Lowrys, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, 
and move on from some of the guys that either don't want to be here or time is sort of up, if you will, on their time. So we'll talk about that with Poulin right now. Uh, but there's our why not question of the day. We've hit about a dozen different re-words. Um, you know, if the Jets do trade two, three of these players for other NHL assets and maybe some younger players, but players that are playing right now, not picks for three or four years down the road, what would you? What do you want to call it if we're not calling it a rebuild? Let us know in the chat. And if you're listening to this on the podcast later on, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG. All right, we've got Pooley coming up. Uh, just before we do that, got to shout out our friends over at Modern Man Barbershops. I'm actually going to have to hit Modern Man before we uh, head down to, uh, down to Nashville. I've got a little bit of time, though. Uh, and it's so convenient because Modern Man has eight locations now across the city of Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Uh, the gang at Aquatech, probably a lot of people thinking about pools over the course of the last week with this crazy heat. Uh, make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Aquatech can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And it's not just pools. Whole home renovations start with Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, it was an absolutely gorgeous weekend, as we've discussed. A lot of people getting out to cottage country and uh, getting summer fully underway. But do you have all your batteries? Are your, is your, uh, your lawn tractor ready to go? What about your boat? What about your Sea-Doo? Uh, it doesn't matter what you need a battery for. Manitoba Battery will have the best price in town and will be the best buying experience and the most convenient service you will get. Uh, on any of those batteries including golf cart batteries, great deals on those as well. Any order over 60 bucks, the Manitoba battery, Donnie and the gang, will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city. It's really that simple. Save money, save time, shop local over at Manitoba Battery. Find out more online with everything they've got waiting for you at manitobabattery.com or pay them a visit at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, uh, well, as I mentioned, it was a steamy one. It was a bad day to be a cold beer. It was a bad day to be a cold CC and ginger at IG Field on Friday night. And I uh, can only imagine what it's going to be heading into Friday with a daytime high expected of 28 degrees and sunshine for the Bomber home opener. Canadian clubs, the official spirit of the Blue Bombers and WST. You can pick up CC and ginger at beer vendors around the city. And of course, all Canadian club products are at your local Manitoba liquor marts and look for them around the stadium when you get to IG Field on Friday for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber home opener. All right, we will talk a little more Bombers later on. Jeff Hamilton scheduled to come on a little after two. Right now, though, let's welcome in TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin to talk cup final and the Winnipeg Jets offseason. Pooley, what's going on? How was your weekend? It was good. Back in the studio Saturday night for game one, and Andrew, I kind of felt like Florida. Like I was reintroducing myself to the camera guys and the sound guys. It felt like I 
been weeks since I've been in there. I had to kind of remember how to do it. So expecting a little bit of a slower start from Florida on that front, but they came out roaring. And I thought pretty good first game of the finals. You know, it takes a little bit of time to get back into these series sometimes, less so with the finals, granted. But overall, for that long a layoff, I thought Florida was fairly sharp. Bobrovsky was sharp. And um, overall, I think we're going to have a heck of a series. I think it's going the distance, my friend. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I had, I mean, I had picked Vegas. And I thought Vegas was properly a, a slight favorite, but not an overwhelming one. Uh, I did have some real concerns as to whether but what Bob would look like after 11 days off. I mean, he was on the heater of all heaters through the conference finals, and then you're off for a week and a half. Um, and as Paul Barry said afterwards, I mean, you saw quite early on that Bob was on with that glove save early. Um, but it was a little bit of back and forth. But I think at the end, Vegas, the deeper, better team, kind of flexed their muscles and certainly showed the composure they're going to need to have throughout this series um, to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, so think of the success that Florida's had in imposing themselves physically on a team and then kind of grinding it out over the length of the series. And I can, like, when, when I say that, you get hit in the first game by Sam Bennett a couple times, and he annoys you. And then in the second game, he hits you a couple more times or four times or five times. So now it's in your mind that Sam Bennett's coming, right? And if you think of, the, I'm, I'm not going to, think your recall is on this specific goal, but there was a goal where Marner and then Matthews both turned the puck over in the neutral zone, just outside the blue line, inside the blue line. Well, if you look at that at Marner turnover, Bennett was running out and it was either game three or four, but it was like, there it wasn't just Bennett. It was the cumulative Bennett, right? It's like, oh, I've been hit by this guy like 11 times now. And so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, if it wears on Vegas, Vegas is the biggest team I think they face. Like that Vegas defense is huge, guys. Their fourth line is big. And so I don't know if it'll have the same effect long term. I think Vegas can give it back. Vegas, too, has a balance of they're, they're, they are, I believe, the most disciplined team in the league over the course of the season. But they've gotten it, it's discipline because it's choice discipline, not discipline because I don't want to get involved. Like Nick Hague takes a couple shots in the head. Nick Hague will drop his gloves with you in a nanosecond if if he thinks that's what has to be done. So that's the difference. It's not shying away from it. It's respectfully saying, yeah, not right now. When I want to do it, I'll do it. Oh, they were laughing at those guys after they went yeah. to the penalty box. And I mean, the timing of that was terrible. I mean, you're down two goals with four and a half minutes left and end up taking a double minor. And I know Maurice I'm likes to have his team play on the edge. I'm going to stop you there for a second because the timing isn't four minutes to go it's six games and four minutes to go i guess that's my point you're throwing in the towel on game number one and i mean uh, we we've seen far crazier comebacks than two goals and uh and that um that being said i mean kachuk was certainly involved at the end and doing a lot of kachukian things if you will um wasn't that impactful when it came to the net um what did you make of his game in particular because I mean, outside of Bobrovsky, he has been the catalyst for the success that the Panthers have had. Not dissimilar from other games. There's, there, there have been other games where he's been invisible throughout until, by the way, he gets a game-winning goal or the overtime goal. So his timely play has arguably been better. You know, that's a 
that's a number one line in the way they've produced in the playoffs. Nick Cousins isn't a number one line player. Um, you could argue Bennett isn't. He'd be better suited as a two or three. But by placing them on that in that slot because of how well Kachuk has played in production, man, you're taking a lot of heat off Barkov and Verhage. That's where I think that focus has to be. Like Verhage and Barkov have to produce huge numbers because they don't have to play against the other team's top pairing because the top pairing is worried about. Now, granted, you could say Vegas' second pairing is just as good as their first pairing because Theodore is not a second-pairing defenseman. But overall, I think Kachuk has been what he's been through the playoffs. There have been long stretches where he hasn't been. He's not that kind of a guy, right? Like his skill set isn't saying, I'm screaming at you with speed, I'm lighting it up. It's not that kind of skill. It's kind of a grinded out, I'll be there when I have to be there skill, and I'm always in your face. Yeah, he uh, he certainly finds a way. What um, what do you think the message uh, on the off day and today going into Game Two is from Paul Maurice? Status quo. Um, we can be better. We know that, but keep doing the things that we've done throughout these playoffs. And you know they they think and they believe that they're on a magical run. And by the way, they should. And it's funny when I see other teams who've been knocked out and their players stand up and say, well, we believe in each other. And I'm like, yeah, you really have no reason to believe in each other. Um, that team has a reason to believe in each other. And, and I think the strength of that comes through. And I think Paul Maurice did a masterful coaching job during the season by not overcoaching. And at times when he would have wanted to jump in and say to that group, will you wake up and get going? He didn't, and he let them figure it out. And if you constantly come to the aid of your players whenever they need help, then eventually when they have to get up by themselves, they're not going to be able to. And I think that's a really, that's something you learn as a coach, and I, I, I think I've watched it firsthand. Now, it cut pretty darn close to the end for Mo, and... But he did step in against Toronto, if you remember, when he had the rant on the bench there. Picked the market to do it in, in Toronto. Picked the market to put that on the stage. And he gets it done. But then when players do have to take over in the playoffs, they're capable, Andrew, because the coach hasn't done it for them all year long. So I think sometimes coaching is not coaching. You, you know, Dave, you mentioned belief there a second ago. And, I mean, this Aiden Hill story is... Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Vegas wins this cup. When you think of all the goalies that will have, have a, had a hand in the se- in the season, um, will be an outlier. But I'll tell you what. I mean, I heard Noodles talk about that save that he made uh, in game number one. How I mean, if this team wins, that's his TSN turning point. I mean, what what does a save like that do for a team in the middle of a game that is um so tightly contested and so important as game one was? It is huge. It's to me, goaltending was the only reason people didn't pick Vegas at the start of the playoffs or after the first round or after the second round or maybe after the third round. Because after the third round, you're like, okay, Neil's been great, but by the way, he's going up against Bobrovsky now. And eventually, like, that's a really good defensive team. They played very well in front of him. They let him see pucks. He's a big body. I wouldn't say he's over athletic he's more of a big body blocker type of goaltender 
and they've got to get them moving side to side more than they have and get, you know, I mean, you always say you're going to get traffic in front of them, but they got to get more traffic in front of them. But I think the movement is the big thing. And, but Vegas, in a sense, will put you, their defense will put you where they want to put you so he doesn't have to move. They take half the net, they give him half the net, and he's there. But what a great story. I mean, what a terrific story. And I played with a couple of goaltenders who carried my team to the Stanley Cup Finals, the first being Pelle Lindbergh and the second being Ron Hextel. And they were just special at moments through the series. And even with that 90 team with Reggie Lemelin and Andy Moog, I mean, that's, those are good goalies. Those are really, really good goalies. So I'm used to having the good goalie in my net. But when you play against a guy like Ranford played in the finals in 90, um, you got to tip your cap at some point. And I think you got to tip your cap to Aiden Hill with what he's been able to do. And now he's just got to sustain it, you know, through an, through another series. Dave, just before we get to the Jets, I've just got to ask you, what do you expect to see tonight? Uh, more of the same or uh, will either team kind of come out and try and not uh, change things up? One of the strengths of these veteran coaches is is how well they make adjustments. So I'll be intrigued right from the drop of the puck to see what adjustments they've made. And I'll give you an example um, with Vegas and Bruce Cassidy. Dallas was taking over that series with their four check. And at the start of game six, that was as crisp, and quick puck moving a defense core and a forward reaction group that I've seen in ages. So the puck would go in from Dallas. The D on first touch, like it wasn't on his stick for a split second. He was hard wrap or partner if it was open. And the hard wrap now puts responsibility in the wings. So he's saying, okay, D's done his job. All he was instructed to do was get back there and rifle it around the boards. Next job, winger, meet the D, You've got to win that battle. You've got to either chip it out or at least contain the puck. Centerman, below the wing on that side. Weak side winger, coming across. All five guys reacted to that adjustment so well, Andrew. And so when I go into a game like tonight and I'm saying, okay, Florida really didn't get their forecheck going, so it's not going to be that type of adjustment. But what is it going to be? And something you'll see, I think, more of is the Florida D trying to get into the play more. Montour has a score to point in nine games. And he was a monster early in the class. He had nine points in his first eight games. I think he'll be up in the play more. I think um, the entire Ekblad will be up in the play more. The entire Florida defense will be looking to join more, to create more off the rush. Their cycle game was okay, but they'll be looking to create more off the rush. Dave Poolin, TSN hockey analyst with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Pooley, I've got to ask you about the latest on the Jets. Um, uh, Elliot Friedman on the weekend at the intermission reported that the Jets are listening to offers on Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, well, I'll we'll get to that first. I mean, just what do you make of the Jets situation? But I also wanted to ask you about some of the things that maybe come out to the media and why that might be the case. But I know you've been taking a lot of time looking at, you know, the Jets contract situation, what happened this past season and the last few seasons as well. What do you make of what's on uh, Kevin Chevalier's to-do list as uh, we get into the next few weeks before the draft? Let's start a little bigger than just Kevin Chevalier and say that right now, I think I see a little bit of a shift in the NHL in that, you're going to have to roll the dice and make big moves. The draft and development model is fine, but if you think of the two teams who are in the finals, 
both those teams have been willing to make major moves to change good teams. And Winnipeg and, and Kevin Chevalier, I think, been a good team. And, you know, they went to the conference finals in 2017. 18. 18. And so, you know, and then they've dealt with some things, some variables, the defense core changing out. But you can have a good team and roll the dice instead of waiting for your young guys to join, roll the dice and make them better. And what bigger roll the dice in Florida? Like they were, they were the President's Cup team last year. They traded the number two scorer in the league. They traded a top pairing defenseman. They traded a good young prospect in Cole Schwinn. And so look at it and say, what changes can you make? Vegas, let's, I mean, let's get serious here. Any player that's available, they look at. They've traded for a star right winger in Mark Stone. They've traded for a star centerman, which everyone says you can't do in Jack Eichel. And they signed Alex Petrangelo, the best free agent defenseman in the last couple of years. So the reason that I think this is a good summer to look at it even harder, Andrew, is because it's a thin year for UFAs. If you want to significantly change your team, it's not a big year for UFAs. So I think Winnipeg would have lots of trade partners, and I do think it's time for significant change. Significant change means significant players. You've also got the contract status of both Mark Shifley and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who will be unrestricted free agents. Moving forward, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has a contract situation a year out as well. And so with these variables, you look at it and say, this could be a prime time with a lot of available trade partners to trade and to make your team better. And, you know, and at Connor Hellebuck, I mean, I wrote a column on goalies and, and I think I had eight teams or nine teams who had a clear-cut number one goalie and Winnipeg absolutely is one of those teams but none of those teams are left and the only one in the final eight was dallas with jake ottinger and the other seven had some sort of combination platter just acquired platter not really sure who is our guy platter in carolina with three guys and so if the market were that strong i just i of all of everybody I would work my hardest to keep him just because of that position and you have him, but you would understand that if the offer were ridiculous for him, you'd have to listen. Yeah. I, I mean, you know what the, what we've been hearing through insiders, obviously from the team is that listing on these players, but very clearly we're not going into a rebuild. Um, I don't know how you avoid a rebuild if Connor Hellebuck's not your starting goaltender anymore. Right. But Dave, just back to, I mean, comparing Vegas and Florida, uh, with the big moves that they made for Eichel and Kachuk. Can we compare Winnipeg to those teams? I I'm sure they would love to do that, but all we hear is that every one of these guys in the National Hockey League has Winnipeg on their no-trade list, and on top of it, I mean, both of those guys wanted to go to those places. It just seems like Kevin Sheveldayoff, when it comes to making those big moves, has not only one hand tied behind his back, but half the time, both of them. So it may have to be below the below that layer because... You can't get a no-move clause or a no-trade clause until you've been in the league seven years. So there's a lot of good players that haven't been in the league seven years, and maybe that's the move you have to make. And, you know, I mean, that that's that's the basis of it. Okay, when you get to afford a no-move or a no-trade clause, if Winnipeg were one of the groupings, fine. 
dismiss it, move on. But there's a lot of good hockey players who've been in the league three years or four years who might not be ready to do what they are because they're behind somebody or, you know, think about, think of a Chandler Stevenson, you know, think of that role that he played in Washington and you traded a third round pick for Chandler Stevenson. Like that's a great trade. And so when you get in the mode, I know everybody says how hard it is to make trades, except the two teams in the Stanley Cup finals have made significant trades. They just have, you got to do it. Well, and, 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 you know, I mean, speaking to, you know, those players on their first seven years, I mean, I, I'm a proponent of, of some big moves this year. I mean, I think it's time. I think there's, I mean, contractual reasons for some of them, others, maybe cultural reasons. But to me, if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, and this is why I don't really know what they mean by this is not a rebuild. I mean, it's a retool, a reset, a, it's a re-something. I'll tell you that. But, I mean, to me, it's younger players under team control ELC or just out of their ELC that might not be where a Dubois or Mark Shifley is right now, but given that opportunity has the potential to turn into that sort of a player for a long time with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, that that's where I would be starting if I'm doing these ass with other NHL GMs. I mean, how do you see that? I feel the exact same way. And that's where you, ha you have to lean on your amateur group as well. And I think what Winnipeg's done in the past, and we've talked about it on this show, is they've combined their pro and amateur staff's thought process to pick off some pretty good players like a Neil Pionk, um, like a Morgan Barrett. So, you know, you think of those trades and you think, okay, well, we got to move a guy. Who's a guy who's in his, you know, what's Pionk now? Is Pionk 27 now? And so you picked him off when he was 24, 25, and, you know, an excellent player out of prime age. And so you got to rely on your amateur guys and say, who do we like? Who do we like? maybe in the free agent market coming out of college. Who did we like in his draft year? Where is he now? And can we pick him off a little bit ahead of him hitting his full prime? And is the role he's in stifling him from getting to where he has to go? Um, look at a Carter Verhage. You know, we drafted him in a third round in Toronto, and that's when we were looking to, to kind of steal a big centerman late. And, you know, Carter Verhage was a, was a kid who had to work on his game and get to where he is, but now he's blossomed fully and, you know, is, is verging on being a star player in the National Hockey League with 40-plus goals. So there are those guys out there, and I think it's a willingness and a mindset, Andrew, to say what we've done hasn't worked. We're prepared to move on. And and you know what? Winnipeg's had a couple of good runs and and – particularly that one where they went to the conference finals in 2018 as, as we decided. And, and you'd say, okay, this group as a group hasn't done it. And so we can move on and it's okay to move on. Dave, uh, there's an interesting signing today in the NHL. Cole Caulfield gets an eight-year extension just south with 7.85, I believe, eight years max term. What did you think about that contract? But I guess the second part of that question is there's been so much smoke about Pierre-Luc Dubois potentially going to Montreal. Does that change even the Habs' ability to bring on Dubois and sign him to a long-term deal at some point as well? Start with number two, I don't think it does change that. Um, you know, you're looking at, we're hearing this cap speculation, nothing agents like to hear more, players like to hear more than what is the cap going to go up in the subsequent year to this one. Um, you know, they're talking an increase of four or five million dollars. There'll be more money in the pool. 
but I don't think that changes that. What it does brilliantly in my mind for Montreal with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes is their internal salary cap. And so it's a shade below Nick Suzuki. So your best two young players are tied up long-term, but you've got an internal cap. And when the next player comes along, you're like, okay, well, Nick Suzuki's our best player. And you're not getting more than him. Ottawa's done it in a very similar manner with Stutzla and Brady Kachuk. And Stutzla's contract hasn't kicked in yet. Like, that's a deal before it started at eight years. And so I think it's an excellent signing in Montreal. I've been a big Cole Caulfield guy. You know, you know, I do the U18s. And I've watched this kid light it up. And when he got to where he got to in the draft in 15th overall, it's like there was still disbelief that he could score at the National Hockey League level. There was none in my mind that this kid was going to score goals. And he's in a perfect spot on the offside with Suzuki, the right-handed shot, you know, feeding that spot. Uh, it's a good young squad. He's got some other good pieces on that team. But I don't think they've got a lot of elements to trade. Like last year, there were nights when they played five rookie defensemen. They've got some young prospects coming. And, you know, they've got a top pick in the draft this year. So there are pieces there if you did want to make a trade with them. I don't think it dispels anything moving forward for Montreal. You know, I mean, just looking at Montreal, I mean, we talk so much about Montreal and the way they're set up because, of course, of, you know, the rumors that have been going on for two years that Dubois wants to end up there. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, right now, for a team that wants to take that step forward, I mean, regardless of what that trade would send to Winnipeg, if you're keeping Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc, and getting Pierre-Luc Dubois at center ice. I mean, that all of a sudden is a very formidable center ice group. That's not just a team maybe that's clawing in to be playing games of meaning in the last month of the season, Dave. That's a team that could get into the playoffs and be a real pain in the ass for another team in the East. No question. And look at the World Championships that Samuel Montembeau had. He played his best hockey. And he came on last year, Jake Allen. That's a that's a pretty good one-two combo in that. Um, but, you know, they, they have pieces coming as well. And young Owen Beck that was in Peterborough in the Memorial Cup is one of their prize pieces coming somewhere down the road. And defense in particular, they have a young man named Jaden Struble that signed out of Northeastern to join their defensive core. But as I said, you know, your Caden Gooley's, your Jordan Harris, um, Justin Barron, they've got some nice pieces back there. And by the way, you're not prying Arbor Jackye away from them, I'm sure, because they love that kid. So they've got some pieces that, you know, if they did want to make a major move, and they may not, they may say, you know, rather than projecting upwards from the age of Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, you know, and bringing in a Pierre-Luc Dubois, they may project downwards and say, let's wait for the Owen Becks and you know, Jan Mishak and those guys to come in that they've drafted. Um, they've still got the big kid, uh, Uri Slavkovsky, who, you know, had had a development year, but they control the development by keeping him in the NHL and, and working with him on a daily basis. And I watched it firsthand after practice, you know, their development coaches. So they're an interesting group. And, you know, so it's, are they going to project up and, and make a move bringing in a veteran in, or are they going to project down and say, let's be patient here? Dave, one other thing about the Jets, and you're the perfect guy to ask this because you've had time in NHL front offices, obviously as a player as well, but also have been working in the media. And, and I go back to Saturday night, and it was really clear 
but, you know, as I said, Winnipeg Jets are going to be listing on these players. I mean, that's not really news. I think that's quite obvious that that would be happening. But the other secondary part that Elliot mentioned was very clearly stating to everyone that the Jets are not interested in a rebuild. And um, I, I guess first off, I mean, everyone seems to have a different definition of what a rebuild is. Um, I mean, are they going to go scorched earth and try and, you know, get the first pick in the draft? I Obviously not. But what goes into how teams maybe get that sort of information out and and why would it be so important, do you think, to an organization like Winnipeg to make sure that is the message that when they're talking about moves being made, that that is delivered to their fan base? Because it's that competitive a team that they're capable of doing that. There's enough good pieces. There's some good pieces coming. You know, we watch Brad Lambert play in the in the Memorial Cup. Um, you've got the Lucius kid. You've got McGrory, who a lot of people really like. Uh, the big kid that's in Michigan. So you've got pieces coming. Um, you've still got youth in your lineup. You've still got, I mean, Kyle Connor's still a young guy. Cole Perfetti's a really young guy. Josh Morrissey's just coming into his prime. There's enough good pieces that it's not going to be a total rebuild, that you you have no interest in moving, um, you know, a Nikolai Ehlers or a, th- there's enough good pieces, Andrew. That's the simplest way to put it, that you can move laterally and then take a step back in a forward position because of the quality of depth you have in your group. That third line, like if you composed a third line of Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry, and Mason Appleton, you've got your third line in place for years to come. So that's why it's not a total rebuild. There are a volume of good pieces that other teams can't claim to have. Yeah, and and I guess like I mean, do you when someone says rebuild to you, does that what is that what you take from it? I mean, they're going to kind of strip it down to the, you know, do what the Chicago Blackhawks did. I mean, I think that, you know what, and, and again, it's re as I say, it's it retool, is it reset, recalibrate? We were having some fun talking about all the different re words that we could use on the weekend. Um, the bottom line is there's some change coming to the Winnipeg Jets. There's change needed, and you know, for a general manager that has made a few trades, had his back against the wall a few times and come up looking pretty good on it. Um, I think some real opportunity to, we'll call it reset, but turn this thing over um, both on the ice as well as maybe the culture of the team, which might be just as important as on the ice. I would agree. I, I think those things are attainable. I really do. I think, and once again, there are enough good pieces in place. Like Cole Perfetti is a top six player and, and he's only going to get better. And we don't know about all the other young ones that I mentioned yet, but they're potentially, the three in particular, are good players and they have a chance to be good NHL players. So if you said of those four that three of them turn out um, and then you get a surprise or two along the way and you've got your Connor Ehlers, Perfetti in place, um, you know, we'll see what happens We with the two big centermen in Shifley and, and Dubois. You know, if you did move one where the other one, is that enough for the other one to say, okay, this is my house now? Or, you know, we don't know that. But there's, there's cycles to this, Andrew, in terms of it seems like the players right now are getting a little bit of a sway back to the palate. And you look at, you know, guys getting out of cities that they choose to get out of. Matthew Kuchuk wanted out of Calgary for personal reasons. And he was able to get it. Michael wanted out of Buffalo for personal reasons. Well, the guys that went to Buffalo, are thrilled. Alex Tuck loves Buffalo and 
You know, Tage Thompson, you made the tough O'Reilly trade, and you look at Buffalo right now. Buffalo is poised to take a huge step forward. Um, I don't think you're that with Winnipeg because you you were never stripped down to that point. You were never in the mix for the number one or two draft pick as Buffalo was for multiple years. They have two number ones in Dahlin and Power and a number two in Eichel that they chose. So that's not the case in Winnipeg. It never got that bad because of good decisions and, and the status quo has been maintained. So you're allowed to make changes to get better. The two teams in the finals are living examples. You know what? I'm glad you brought up Alex Tuck, Dave, because that is a guy I talk to a lot on the air and off the air. And for a team that I believe people will have other opinions, but desperately needs like a cultural reset to me, like there's other players, Tage Thompson. uh, You've talked about the guys that have come into Buffalo that have turned into stars and are producing right now, but I'm not sure there's a more important player that's come to Buffalo in any of those transactions for what he's done for the culture of the team. He's a guy from that area. Um, you would think that getting traded from Vegas to a Buffalo team would be, you know, really sort of disappointing, at least on paper. He embraced it. He embraced the city. He embraced the challenge from the get-go. And, uh, man, if the Winnipeg Jets could find someone like that, whether they're from around here or not, to really come in and embrace the challenge and this city and this community, um, man, would that be something that uh, this organization, not just on the ice, I think, could really, really use. Terrific example, Andrew. Really strong. And there are those players out there. Believe me, there are. And you, you, you've you got to find them. And you've got an excellent staff in place. I talked already about combining the amateur and pro sides. And you have to lean on your guys and your network of people. But I believe the group is there that can do that and get those types of players. And and Tuck is a great example. It really is. I mean, he was so excited to go there. And by the way, they're going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch. And he'll be a big, big part of it going forward. Hey, Dave, just before we go, we're uh, heading down to uh, to Buffalo, Nashville for the draft in a few weeks. And I know you were doing the uh, under-18s before. I mean, we're all talking about Connor Bedard obviously going number one. Um, well, who are some of the guys that sort of intrigue you at two, three, I mean, I know Will Smith's a guy that uh, certainly caught your eye before, and I think everyone noticed what Adam Fantilli was able to do, both in college and playing at the world championship level, getting that gold medal with the Canadians. What a great experience for Fantilli to be able to jump in there and do that. And I like the way teams in the world championships are including a couple of those young guys. I, I think they should. And, you know, there seems to be a lot of, people that get invited to the world championships. And I never had an opportunity to go, Andrew, because back then, if you made the playoffs, you weren't, the time didn't fit. Uh, and so I was 13 for 13 in the playoffs, which I'll gladly take, but never got to a world championships. And, you know, but if you look at guys that embrace going, it's the Milan Lucic who took his kids and his family and had a great experience and wore the Canadian jersey for the first time. You know, the middle guys struggle. Like if I had young kids, and I've just been through an NHL season. It's pretty hard to turn to the wife and say, I'll see you five weeks from now. I mean, it just is. And, you know, and so I think those are the ones you then look to a Fantilli and say, what an experience. Um, Leo Carlson, the big centerman for Sweden's in the mix. You know, I had a chance to do all the U18 games for the U.S. And so I saw that big line of Will Smith and Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot. And it's a case of they're all excellent players. I think Will Smith's the guy. I do. I see a deception in his game, um, almost 
like when he's skating full speed, you don't know it until he goes by you. He just appears to be really complete. Leonard's more of the power forward. You may have that in Lambert, in that type of player. But I think I think Will Smith is the one of all that group that I maybe know the most about, and that's why he intrigues me so much. I can't see him going past five. I simply can't. And there's a little wrinkle there at five with Montreal choosing fifth, is that the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens was Will Smith's coach growing up in youth hockey. So a little internal knowledge there for, for Kent Hughes. One degree of separation uh, pretty much throughout the hockey world. That last one for you, Dave. Uh, and this is more putting on your management experience hat. Um, what are the conversations internally with the scouts, with the GMs, with owners on a high early round pick in a draft like this with the pros and cons of taking a talented player but one with so much mystery, if you will, that uh, Mitchkoff out of Russia? There's a lot of discussion. There's no question about it. And, and I don't have as as good a feel as I would in the business on the background side of it and seeing he is, you know, has signed there. But there are some excellent examples of guys like Kuznetsov, like Kaprizov, who people patiently waited for and paid off in spades. And if your timing were that you don't think you're going to be, you know, one of the top teams for the next, I don't know, three to four years, and you can wait and who that may be, we don't know, but there's enough examples and of players that teams have been patient for. I think it's more on your own cycle, your own timing. And, you know, even you could say, okay, well, look at a Logan Cooley. You know, they're not going to get him in Arizona because he's chosen to go back to school. So you don't know even over here if you're going to see a player for two, three, or even four years. So if Mitchkoff was that big a talent and you feel good, you'd have to do a lot of homework, though, for me, Andrew. And, you know, we've been in a position in the past to do our homework and walk away from players just because it wasn't a comfortable feeling for us. Dave, you're the best. Enjoy this game tonight. Thanks so much for doing this. Always fun. Enjoy the hockey, Andrew. All right, man, that was a great segment with Dave Poole and really appreciate him jumping on with us today and looking forward to your feedback. If you're just checking in on the uh, on the podcast, head on over to the YouTube channel um, afterwards and leave a comment on what you thought about what Dave had to say, particularly about the Winnipeg Jets, but of course, anything else as well. And uh, you can also give us your feedback on uh, those topics on our Twitter page, send us a tweet at Sports Talk WPG. Uh, Hammer's coming up. Folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, you got to get down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or shop online at myvita.ca with local delivery options. Barbecue season's in full swing. Get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And guys, with Father's Day right around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. Both contain 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace, our great sponsors, are uh, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. 
doing it since 1946 in Winnipeg is the best in the biz. Got everything you need via fencing, a vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas? As we get into spring and summer, of course, wedding season is here. If you need to up your menswear game, you got to do it down at F Apparel with custom suits beginning at $400, the best prices in town, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If you and the fellas need a great look for the big day, and a free custom shirt and tie for all 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Pop down and see him. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street, downtown. Make an appointment or find out more at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And uh, needless to say, the Nick and Nikki DQs were busy, busy on the weekend. Uh, 30 degrees, <laughs> sign me up for one of the great new Blizzard flavors down at Nick and Nikki DQ. And while you're at it, Grab a couple boxes of their world-famous ice cream novelty treats to take home and throw in the freezer. Pop down and see them. One of four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Time to bring out the hammer, as Tristan Rivers would say. Let's uh, get Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press in to uh, get things going. Hammer, what's going on? How are you? Us, not much. I think like most people just trying to enjoy slash survive this heat. I said at the beginning, you know, in the, in the thick of winter, this past winter, that when it got to this point, inevitably, that I would not complain. I'm not complaining. I've been enjoying. I had a great weekend. I had a lot of celebrations. My, my little uh, nephew turned four. We were outside. Um, it is blistering hot, but it's only, well, I guess it's June now, but the fact that we've had what I feel like a full summer already, uh, can't complain, man. Looking forward to this hit. Yeah, this has been, uh, well, and I'll tell you what, we've had about a good week plus of 30 degrees, and it might not be 30, but, I mean, nice all through this week, and I'll tell you what, 28 and sunny for Friday night, Bombers, Ticats in the home opener, pretty awesome forecast to get this season started. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, I know... You know, I, I know that season tickets don't have a total number, but I know that the, the Bombers are enjoying uh, this weather. I think it's gotten people into the football mood a lot sooner. Season tickets are certainly uh, are certainly climbing. I wish I had figures. Uh, the only information I have based on that is is the fact that the stadium footprint parking passes, which are just so loved by media, have been dwindling over the years. And it's because those prime seating, those prime seats, season ticket seats, either come or a lot of the people that buy them get the stadium foot, uh, footprint uh, parking passes. So that's one small indicator of investigative reporting I've been on with the Bombers that, uh, that they've been, uh, <laughs> that they, uh, that things are going well. And you know what, I think this, I think this season's going to be wild, man. I mean, certainly the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are favorites again, just given their consistency, they'll always have that advantage um, when you bring that many players back from the previous year, just when you look around the CFL and particularly this year, there's so much turnover. The Bombers are going to benefit from having a lot of the same bodies. So they're going to do really well, I think, at the beginning of the season for sure. But I think teams, just given some of the makeups with the with the clubs around the league, particularly the Hamilton Tiger Cats, I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with and possibly another, uh, you know, 
my my guess right now, my way too early perhaps guess is Bombers and and Tie Cats in the Grey Cup this year. Well, when wouldn't that be a great way to start things off with a uh, <clears throat> maybe a scene setter for what could be happening not in Winnipeg but in Hamilton at the end of the year? Listen, before we get to Game One, let's talk about the weekend. Mm-hmm. First off, the game against the Riders. I mean, most of the top players weren't playing, but Piggy T was. Pigrome, uh, you know, I stayed till the end of the game. We were planning on taking off a little early, and then all of a sudden he's in the game and he leads a touchdown drive, then leads another touchdown drive, and next thing you know, we're actually there right till the end of a, a preseason game on a Friday night. Wasn't entirely planning on that. I listened to Mike O'Shea with uh, Derek Taylor on OB on the way home. We've heard Mike O'Shea for a long time. He sort of gets in and out of these interviews and doesn't often give too much. It was very clear that he was more than enamored with this player and sees some real, real potential in Pigrome to maybe do some damage, not just as a short yardage third string quarterback this year. Um, what do you think? Has Pigrome been the star of camp so far? And is he a guy that it might take a few weeks for Buck Pierce to sort of work him into the offense? But I got a feeling they're going to try and get the ball in this guy's hands a few times outside if, of just the normal short yardage duties. If Buck Pierce isn't already underway coming up with packages for this guy or coming or has not had the ideas run through his head about the potential of the offense with Tyrell Pigram, as you mentioned, Piggy T, as he's so affectionately enjoyed by his teammates, um, then that would be absolutely crazy. To answer your question, of course he's the of course he's the you know the number one story coming out of camp, and he epitomizes everything that you want out of a player that's coming to camp. I mean, think about the preseason games. I mean, it's it's not all fair, right? I mean, look at look at look at preseason week one. You had Zach Caleras play right in front of. His starting offensive line, which, of course, you're not going to play Zach Claros in front of an inexperienced uh, offensive line. But he also has his number one receivers, right? The number one receivers are getting thrown by uh, thrown to by the number one quarterback and, again, protected by the O-line for time. And then you have other players that have to come in and usually are under, you know, usually comes against lesser competition as well. But you're also playing with lesser competition. So, you know, and what does Mike O'Shea say? He wants you to be right. He wants you to be making plays. That's how you. That's how you. You come out and make an impression on the coaching staff. You don't need to be. You know. You don't need to be racking up the stats. You don't need to have a hundred yard game as a receiver. You don't have to have a three hundred yard game as a as a as a quarterback. Um, you just need to be. You need to be taking advantage of the plays that you get. So Pigram comes in in week one against Edmonton. What was it? Tied seventeen seventeen. It was tie game coming in the fourth, and he leads them. And his first snap behind center is a botched snap, not his fault. He didn't fumble it. It's skied over his head. He's now facing a second and 27 after a 17-yard loss and fires a 34-yard dart to Jeremy Murphy for a first down. That, that, was right, that was the first play, really. That was the first introduction. And then busts off for a 45-yard five-yard touchdown run in, in a play that we haven't seen in these parts, even with a Chris Strebler. And I think that's the that's the crazy part. You move into week, you move into preseason game two, and he comes in. At, you know, Drew Brown comes in for an entire half. You know, and I like Drew Brown a lot, and I definitely think he stays at the number two right now. And this is a guy who bleeds football, and I think is gonna you know has some potential in this league. But he comes in, and 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 what he's kind of 
you know, the takeaways from him is twice, you know, he was running for his life. Sure, he didn't have the the benefit of the top O-line and was playing against a fair amount of Rough Riders, you know, first team defense. But, you know, the, the, the takeaways from him was he he went over the line of scrimmage twice throwing the ball. Pigram comes in and he and he he does what he did the week before and he makes what seemed like an impossible game, a five-point game by leading the club to back-to-back touchdown drives. I mean, this is a guy that this is a guy that at this point in time, you know, I think the only reason why he's not be, he's being viewed as the number three short yardage quarterback um, is because of the loyalty they have to Drew Brown. But if this guy isn't nipping at Drew Brown's heels at some point, like at the end of the day, he's going to play a much more significant role. If all goes to plan this season, Tyler Pigram is going to be playing a much more significant role for this team than Drew Brown will be because Drew Brown, if he's you know viewed as the number two, the, the backup, he's the emergency plan behind Zach Caleros in the event that you need to, a guy to run the full offense, run the full playbook. But Pigram is going to be a guy that I think they, they were obviously pretty high on him earlier in training camp. They even let him go home for the birth of his child. And I mean, they should certainly be doing that. They should be letting him go home, just to be clear. We don't want to get the wires crossed on, you know, Jeff Hamilton's not saying that guys should go home to see, the, see, the, see the, you know, the birth of his child. But they, 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 he went home, came back after rookie camp. They were high on him. And now he's proving that he can be relied on. And I think was the most impressive part about Tyrell Pigram is, is that he has nerves of steel. He, he doesn't seem phased. He goes into the huddle. I've talked to players that have worked with him. He is composed. He is excited. It's kind of funny. They told him to slow down a little bit in his talking because he's got a pretty thick Alabama accent. But other than that, he's, he's commanded the huddle. And that's what you want to see in a quarterback that is not a very easy thing to do. To You know, when you're already trying to learn a game you don't know, when you're learning a playbook you've never seen before, to have those other mo- really important parts of the game, like the composure um, and the confidence to do what he's doing, and more, and po- possibly even more important, this guy's got the it factor. I know it's a premature thing to say, but when you are making runs and trucking linebackers while you're doing it, there is a special brand of football for you. And so we are looking, in my opinion, at the – you know, almost like the second life of Chris Strebler here. I don't know what his NFL possibilities will be, and we're not, we're certainly not there by any means. But this guy has the potential to not just be uh, put your head down and get a yard or two. He's not, doesn't just have the potential to do like a, a Dakota Prukop where he's, where he's not even going up the middle. He's going, he's fast enough to find the edge and get yards. This is a guy who can throw the ball and who can and be be that rusher. I would be very surprised if by the end of the season we're not talking about him and how much of a unique system and packages they put together for this guy because he's been that good. Yeah, I mean, listen, he made a few throws for sure, uh, but what really stands out, like the second he gets out of the pocket with the ball in his hands, Jeff, I mean, he looks like an elite-level skill position player. I mean, he's got the speed of a top player, and you just mentioned I mean, those poor, those poor DBs that tried to tackle him about ten yards down the field on that first long run he had against the Riders. I mean, they were just absolutely mismatched. And as I say, bringing it back to O'Shea, he is one of those guys, especially for new players that have never even played in a regular season game. He's not one to sort of, and he was holding back the gushing, but it was very obvious that he has been uh, excited, shall we say, about the uh, potential. Of, uh, of pig Rome. Uh, there wasn't any other real big stories around the camp 
with the exception of the kicking game. When we knew Sergio Castillo was going to be the guy when it came to kicking field goals. Um, but I guess that means the end of Mark Leggio. He got cut. Why do you think Leggio found himself on the uh, unemployment line? And what are you hearing about where Leggio ends up? Because I saw one team that might be able to use some competition in their kicking game playing, and it wasn't the Bombers on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think Mark Leggio, I almost, how do I put this? I don't think Mark Leggio was, Mark Leggio was, had a shot to make the team. I just don't think that there was enough, there's enough time in the, in the training camp, whether through practice or through the two exhibition preseason games, for him to have ultimately reversed, I think, the take that the coaching staff and probably some players have for him. Not, you know, there's nothing, this is nothing personal. He's, he's a, you know, a nice guy and, you know, a good person all, by all accounts. And, and certainly I wish the best for him. Um, but I just think with how inconsistent he was last season, it was just a very incredibly uphill battle. And I, and I think there's some surprise that Mark Leggio, you know, wasn't released during the off season. I mean, I guess you do want to have, you wanted to have competition, you know, a guy, you know, you've, you've definitely helped develop this player. So there's that, that part of it too. And, and, you know, the potential of, you know, the guys you do come in that you're high on, that you added, that you thought you scouted well on, you know, don't pan out or aren't as good as you, you thought they might be. Um, but then, but at the same time, I, I just, you know, with, with the lack, it's just a lack of trust. And once you lose the lack of trust with your coaching staff, it's, it's very, very hard to get it back. And like I said, I don't think, you know, unless Legio was to have gone five for, you know, I, I just thought he was going to be the punter. Well, well, that was the thing. He wasn't, and this is the vibe I get is I almost felt like his, he was in competition for the place kicking and not the punting as crazy as that sounds. Um, but obviously he was never going to be the place kicker. And so you put him in, you put him now up against the competition. Two guys come in, you have a, you have a guy in Jamison Sheehan who, who I think always had the inside track on, on Carl Schmitz just simply because he's 10 years younger. And, and, you know, as um, that's certainly important as you get up in your mid thirties, as, as we all wake up now and myself particular in that age group, it's things get a lot sore quicker. Um, you know, I think you had, you know, a guy in Jameson Sheehan who's, who's played NCAA football, who's, you know, who was kicking well at practice. And so if it was ever going to be a tie and especially the fact that they're global players, right? So they act, they fill that quota for global Canadian players on a roster. And, and with, uh, Theadric Hansen out right now and having to dress two global players, that becomes another important part. So again, all those things combined, you know, the fact that you found two solid punters, I mean, um, you know, Carl Schmitz is on the PR, right? So that just goes to show, you know, them liking him as well. Um, you know, I'm a bit surprised that Mark Leggio wasn't, you know, I, I say surprised a bit because of his ability to be a place kicker. So in the event of an injury, but the fact that it's to Castillo, but the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of teams that hold a lot of, you know, kickers on their PR. So it's not a, you know, that suggests it's not a big fear that you're worried your kicker is going to get injured. It'd have to be a bit of a fluke, right? So, uh, but I'm also not surprised because I think you had to end this marriage. I don't think you could drag this on and then, you know, eventually have this guy taken off the practice roster and, you know, you know, be disappointed again, that would be, you know, you, you wouldn't really probably hear the end of it. I mean, let's, let's, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, Mark Leggio lost his job in 2021. Sergio Castillo came in. He got the job in 2022. Couldn't get it done. Had some, you know, significant inconsistent play in particularly crucial times like the Grey Cup and over the playoffs. And again, I just don't think it was enough to shake 
you know, enough to, to shake the memories of, of, of what happened. And, and now I think, you know, this is probably, I don't think it's the end of Mark Leggio. He's still young enough. He still has the experience, you know, we're hearing rumblings in Edmonton that there, there might be a, a need for him there, but I, I do, I do truly believe, and I, I think it's a pretty obvious statement that, you know, his final chapter in Winnipeg has been written. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us uh, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So today, sounded like Big Hill, Jackson Jeffcoat, Brady Oliveira, Desmond Lawrence, all back at practice. Um, and I guess if there was any doubt that those guys were ready, it made sense to give them as much time as they needed. Um, but no Kenny Lawler. And this was the, uh, and, and you know, I said to Ed, and I wasn't sure, Ed, you know, being a Bomber employee, how much he'd be able to, to speak on the situation with us on Friday. But I refer to it as a bombshell bit of news, and that is exactly, he sort of reiterated. He said, you know, has, to be honest, that's exactly the way it's felt around here. Um, very clear that this sort of caught a lot of people by surprise, Jeff. I mean, where are things at right now with Kenny Lawler and his ability to play in the Canadian Football League this season from what you're hearing? The problem right now with Kenny Lawler and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is that Kenny Lawler, as it stands right now, is not eligible to earn money in Canada following his, his, uh, his guilty plea for impaired driving, which came around, you know, early April, early April, April-ish, um, you know, years later, obviously, from the October 2021 incident. And then I think that's where things get a little bit confusing, right? So anyone who's wondering, well, why did it take this long? Um, you know, what, why did he finally plead guilty in April 2023 when the incident happened in October 2021? Well, the fact of the matter is, is and I don't know, all the court proceedings per se, but if you want to drag on a, you know, your punishment with, uh, for, for, for driving impaired, which usually comes with a, a hefty fine and, you know, assuming no one gets hurt and all those other important elements, factors that come into charges, um, you lose your, your license for a year. Right. And then of course, in, in Kenny Lawler's case, you, you have a criminal in everyone's case. Um, but particularly when you're a visitor to Canada, um, you know, there's complications that come with, with having a criminal record. And so there is an, a fairly easy ability to push, you know, to kick the can down the line. I mean, especially with COVID, with, with how court, uh, you know, the courts have been backed up. If you want to have your lawyer kick the can down a, a year, you know, go into, a, go into a, you know, a court date and say we need more time to, you know, for our defense and yada, yada. They'll be like, okay, this is adjourned. Six months. We meet in six months. So I'm assuming just given, you know, where, where Kenny Lawler was in his career in the CFL and, of course, signing a massive deal with the Edmonton Edmonton Elks in 2022, I think it's a fair assumption to say that's exactly what they did. Was they, you know, they, you know, they, Kenny used his lawyer to, to to push things down the line, and so he could focus on football and less on this, right? I mean, he signed a $300,000 deal with Edmonton. Had he been going through this, I don't know how many people would have touched him. How many people would have been interested in in giving him big money? And so I think where the confusion comes um, with the Bombers is that. Okay, so he pleaded guilty in April. We're now here in June. What, what what's the issue? And so I think the issue is is Kenny Lawler obviously did not let the bombers know, or his lawyers didn't let him know, or a combination of the boat of, of the two to let the bombers know that there would be an issue here. And so you know I think it's fair to be critical of the bombers in this situation. I mean, it was in Winnipeg where he where he you know was charged. Um, you know, they should have done their due diligence on this. And so I think they're playing massive catch up. And, the, and so the timeline, obviously, the three to four week timeline is simply a timeline 
that, uh, that is being used to get the paperwork done, to file, you know, why he should be allowed to, to work and make a living in Winnipeg. And so, you know, I, you know, credit to, to, you know, Paul Friesen and the Winnipeg Sun for, for, you know, outlining a lot of those details, uh, you know, a day later or whatnot, um, after the news broke, because, uh, you know, that's in there certainly, but there's also elements of, you know, now they need to, they need to put together an application. They need to be approved. So I know the bombers are fairly confident that it's going to get approved, that it's going to get through. Certainly there's a chance it might not, but um, I think the understanding is that the three to four weeks is on the conservative side of things. I think they're expecting to probably get this done in a couple weeks. So there is a chance that Kenny Lawler could be back um, before the proposed timeline, but I think that is the, the timeline because that's usually on average, again, a more conservative side. It's about two to three weeks to usually get an answer and then get these things done. I think they're going three or four just in case there's another snag and they don't want to be, you know, caught up in this whole thing, um, you know, suggesting this is the amount of time and then, and then having it go way over. I got to give a shout out to our pal DB, Darren Bombings, in the chat right now, and he's got a, uh, some updates on the first day of weekly practice on his Twitter, at Darren Bombing, but uh, it does include Demario Houston in at the boundary corner for Winston Rose, who's not suited up today. And yeah. I guess that's the one guy that wasn't in the preseason game that we expected might be in practice today and uh, is not the case. But other than that, most of the other starters that didn't play um, seem to be good to go for a hell of a matchup to start the season with Bo Levi Mitchell playing his first game as a tie cat here in the peg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is... I, I And I think, I think that this... Um... I think we're going to get a. I think it's not going to be hard to sell a lot of these games, right? And we went over this a couple of weeks ago with how how the quarterback, you know, carousel has has been certainly was certainly spinning in in the winter, and it's created new identities and and new expectations for for various clubs. I think, like I said off the top, I think Hamilton's going to be an incredibly tough challenge. Uh, I think they had a great off season. I think they, you know, with, with obviously with Dane Evans last year that not working out and him going through his own you know, his own struggles on the field and off, um, you know, to have a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell, which I'm, I'm certainly not sold on. I, I don't believe, you know, I, signing Bo Levi Mitchell to a three-year deal, like unless his body is as vastly, you know, recovered over, you know, what's been a few years of, of injuries and certainly inconsistent play. But I do think the weapons around him with a veteran like Bo Levi Mitchell, you have to be comfortable if you're in Hamilton. I think you're worried about his, you know, his potential injury, history but I think you know just given obviously his experience and again the weapons around him and they just they just added Jonathan Kongbo who just had a pretty exciting morning for himself after being <laughs> after being traded from BC after signing with his hometown Lions um, but I think they're going to be a good team but I think this I think the West is going to be tough it's going to be a it's going to be a tough challenge but I, I do think the Bombers um, you know are up to it for sure and certainly with Kenny Lawler or without uh, are in pretty good hands, um, and I think they'll be even in better situation. Obviously, when when eighty nine returns. Yeah, just a note on uh, Kongbo. Um, like Farhan tweeted out that he was told Kongbo was not a fit in the room, and it was important for BC to get back to the chemistry they had before the trade. And Kongbo responded, "Not a fit, because I called out star players for not showing up for practice and guys not wanting to work out. Culture mm-hmm. matters. It's called pro football for a reason, not." some fireworks in CFL social media this morning. And uh, as we count down to the start of the year, perfect. Hey, the timing couldn't be no, better. Huh? It's just a constant remember that the CFL is never boring. And so I think, you know, that's, which is interesting, right? Because Jonathan Kongbo is a big personality. He, he absolutely is. And I mean, people in Winnipeg will, will know him uh, obviously is, you know, playing here for a couple of years, winning a couple of great cups with this team. 
Um, you know, this is a guy who wanted to be in, wanted to be playing, right? He wanted more, he wanted more time. He felt like he deserved more time in Winnipeg. Um, this is a guy who, you know, again, voiced his opinion when he felt like he needed to. He's a confident guy. And so, you know, and certainly would have seen the culture in, in Winnipeg. I'm not saying it was, you know, there were times in, I think, in Winnipeg where he felt like he would move on for a better opportunity and was convinced to stay here. So I don't think it was, I don't think it was all smooth sailing for Jonathan Congbo in Winnipeg, but I do think he got a pretty good idea of what a winning culture looks like. And he certainly, I imagine, got, a, you know, a good, a good idea of what, you know, what, what a, how important a culture is when he played for the Denver Broncos and, you know, in his NFL experience. So to, for him to come back and, you know, make those comments, because that's the thing, right? I mean, Farhan reports that he wasn't a fit in the room and, I just, to me, that's kind of like, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it just falls so short of an explanation. Like, what do you mean he wasn't a good fit in the room? He was a bad, you know, a bad personality, a bad attitude. And then I love the players come out and, you know, share their opinions on how they felt things went down. You're going to always going to have two sides, maybe three sides to each story. Um, But, you know, with, with, uh, with what happened in BC, just the fact that they got rid of Sean Lemon, um, you know, they cleared out, you know, Jordan Herdman Reed as a, as another guy to clear money so they could bring, you know, they could sign Jonathan Congo to a, you know, a pretty healthy salary uh, and only for, for it to be three days before the regular season kicks off. And, and he's now a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats and airing dirty laundry. Oh, how I missed the three down game. Oh, yeah. how I'm looking forward to more of this coming down the line and whether or not, you know, Jonathan Congo, I'm sure it will turn out in, in Hamilton. It's probably unfortunate for him in BC, but um, you know, that's the game. And we'll, we'll certainly see crazier this year. No, you're. Uh, I echo everything you just said. Dustin Nielsen, of course, he was here on Friday. He's back for the home opener, and we were looking at our first week one betting lines on Cool Bet earlier today on the Lock Shop, and now just looking at this forecast for this game. I mean, what a way to start off this season. Hey, before we go, Hammer, we just had a great conversation with Dave Poulin on a bunch of hockey topics, and one of the ones was, you know, what the Winnipeg Jets are up to right now, and obviously there's tons of conversations happening behind the scenes and Elliot Friedman, you know, said clearly the Winnipeg Jets are listening to offers on Hellebuck on Shifley and Dubois. That's not, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but he was very adamant that, you know, the Jets made it very clear that this is not a rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. You don't often hear teams so clearly try and make sure that if they're giving out information that that part of it as well is. And, and I mean, I kind of chuckle because, I mean, I think it really is semantics in a lot of ways as to what your definition of rebuild is. I think there's enough talent on this team that, you know, unless they traded literally half of their top 12 players, um, you know, you're not going to have a team that isn't talented enough to win some games, especially in the Central Division. But what do you make of, I mean, we realize that there's a possibility that their top two centers are being traded and a Vesna winning goaltender, which to me is the biggest piece in all of this because if you don't have Connor Hellebuck, there's probably knocking a few wins off that total regardless. Um, how would you describe what you think the team is going to try to do with these deals that they're being forced into make on one side of things with potentially a Hellebuck and Dubois? and the deals that they feel that they need to make and want to make when it comes to guys that have been here for a long time, like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, if there's a taker. Yeah, I'll start off by saying, you know, we're hearing a lot of that that coming into play from insiders about, 
you know, the Jets, you know, reinforcing the Jets feeling of not wanting to have a rebuild, right? And we, we got that, you know, from Darren Drager like a month ago or two months ago, whatever it was, kind of in and around when the offseason first started. And there was a lot of questions around the futures of, of, of these four players. And so I think it's, I think there can be two ways to look at that. You can look at, you know, from a franchise perspective, you know, because we know the leverage is flipped to the players a lot more nowadays, in particular here in Winnipeg. Um, so what does that mean? Is that, does that messaging that we're hearing, does that mean be, the, the, the Jets are really truly don't want to, don't want to rebuild, that they want to find a way to retool or, or whatever to, to be competitive, to be a playoff team? Because right now I don't think you can argue they're a contender, even if they kept everybody, obviously. Um, and, and that's their true goal, and they're going to do their best to, you know, the best to hold on to some players, potentially, or re-sign some players. Or is it, or is it a result of okay, we're concerned about what the, you know, the fan base might think. We want to cover all bases of of outrage from the fan base, where it's like okay, all those fans that are now, you know, it coincides perfectly with their, you know, it obviously coincides perfectly with their their season ticket, uh, you know, campaign and run, right? To is is buy tickets. This is the future is bright, and we're going into a heavy rebuild. Do those do those coincide for success? Probably not. So I think as you could also look at it as like, this is the messaging we're sending out, but we might be forced into a rebuild. So when we do, if, if we do get to that point, well, then now we need to tell people we did our best, you know, to retool and now we're going to deal with it. Because I think there is a little bit of fear, not just from the Jets organization, but from any organization on what the reaction would be from the fan base, uh, you know, over a total rebuild. And I think, you know, I think, it, I think they might be pleasantly surprised that there might be more people who are interested in this city of a rebuild of seeing, you know, a younger team of seeing a team of, you know, that tries hard, harder than we've seen the jets try over the last few years, even if the results aren't, mm-hmm. you know, aren't as strong. Um, but as far as, but as far as, um, you know, as far as what I think is going to happen or what I've been hearing or, you know, where, where this has kind of been trending, I think we're in a really weird situation with the Winnipeg jets and that I, I think there, I think there is potential that, of the four guys, maybe one is just gone. You know, we're hearing a lot about the, you know, the idea that all four could be gone. And I've certainly been in that camp. And I think that would probably be an ideal situation. Understanding that what you're getting in return is, you know, is is fulfilling your end goal of wanting to retool, right? Because you can't retool with a bunch of draft picks, right? That's not, that's just not the way it works. And so maybe the, you know, I'm getting the feeling the jets aren't getting what they hope to get or, or want to get from teams. I think the markets are, I think there's not a lot of trade teams out there. I think there's an interest to sign a Mark Shifley a little bit longer, maybe than, than, than was expected or, or whatever. I know a lot of people, you know, want maybe see him move. I think he could benefit from a different place. I don't think there's a lot of people that want to sign Mark Shifley to a very, very long contract. Right. So I think, I think the jets are fielding some of the information they're getting and I think they're under, you know, I, whereas some people might look at the Jets' first round series against the Vegas Golden Knights and say, this team does not have what it takes. It doesn't have the characteristics of being an NHL contender. It doesn't have a team where everyone on there, like the Vegas Golden Knights, understands, respects, and appreciates their role. They're looking at a team that they lost two in five games, deserved a better fate from, and now they're probably going to win the Stanley Cup. And then you look over, you look over the, the other hallway in the NHL finals and you see the Florida Panthers. Fans might look at the Florida Panthers and go, look at Paul Maurice. He managed to take a, a, a new batch of players in one season and turn them into a Stanley Cup finalist at the very least, right? And, and that, you know, it's the players' fault. And we all know Maurice 
has ownership of the of the Jets' downfall. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Paul Maurice is not the answer in Winnipeg and wasn't the answer in Winnipeg probably for the last couple of years he was here. But you're, they, they look at a team that goes, instead of looking at the players as being possibly the issue and maybe not the coach, they look at a team in the Florida Panthers and they go, they squeezed into the playoffs as the eighth seed and look what they points. were able to do. Look what they were able to do, right? So where do we fall in that mix? Here's the I thing, think, though, and it's great to think that way, but I mean – Oh, it's horrible to think you got, that way. You it's not got, great to think I mean, that to way. Think, it's blind no, to think listen, that like, way. Listen, hey, that you've got a chance to to win for sure. Um, you know, with those guys. Here's the thing: Shifley's got one year. Dubois got one year. Hellebuck's got one year. And if you don't do it now, you know what the conversations on this program and in every article in your paper and around it's going to be. When's the shoe going to drop? Is it? Are we waiting to the trade deadline to do that? What does that do to the team all season long? I, I mean, at a certain point, some of this stuff, unless they come out with extensions for these guys, well, which I don't and, think and is going to happen. That's where it gets sticky. I don't like, I think they, you know, and maybe they could learn from the Calgary Flames because, you know, you listen to Craig Conroy and what he's done in his, you know, in his new, uh, you know, in his new or his press conference after being hired as the GM. I mean, he was obviously a very integral part or at least a piece of, of that executive team that was listening to the Johnny Gaudreau's, that was listening to the Matthew Kachucks. And I think there's a lot of lot to learn from that. Big Carmway said he has learned from what, you know, he was yeah. he was under the impression that Johnny Gaudreau was coming back to the Calgary Flames. And so I think what happens in these situations is a lot of the times there's verbal agreements among players that if you run it back, we will be interested in signing an extension. And so I'm not suggesting that's necessarily what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets, but when time plays out here, I think you're going to, you're, we're going to get a, a lot of not necessarily concrete answers, but we're going to get a better idea of the interest in holding on to players and hoping that you can do damage next season with the same group, the same leadership group, and somehow change their opinions. I hope that's not the case, Huss, but as time mm-hmm. passes here, and from what I've been hearing, I'm falling more into the group of the people who feel the Jets are going to be doing their best to run it back. And I think the only guy that might actually be gone, and this might blow your mind, might be a Connor Hellebuck. Because I think that there are teams out there that will give you, you know, will, that will give you... Synergy's not, over. It's not, it's not what over. I'm advocating for, Huss. It's not what I'm advocating for. I'm just saying there might be more suitors and there might be a better return to accomplish your goal of retooling rather than rebuilding. And I know that sounds ridiculous because I've been on here and others have been on here saying that if you don't have Connor Hellebuck, you can retool. Uh, you know, you, you, you yeah. can't, it's a, it's an ultimate rebuild, but I don't think the jets are viewing it that way. I think they're viewing to get more physical. Like I'm not saying you keep exactly who you have. I just don't know if this it's centered around the, the, the four players we've been talking all off season about. They certainly need to get bigger and better and stronger on the blue line. But, what, but I don't think they're adverse to finding a 1A, 1B goaltending tandem that costs them $6 million in total. They could go to Vegas right now and take the, you know, yeah. like, you can get a little yeah. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying this is what I think are potential options if we are led to believe that the Jets want to rebuild and, or retool and not rebuild. Well, as I say, that's just kicking the can down the road again until the last possible minute. I don't think that does the team any justice, and I certainly don't think that goes over well with the fan base. Hammer, this is awesome. I'll talk to you, uh, well, leading into this game on the weekend, and uh, hopefully see you there. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, let's get it on for a great CFL season beginning on Friday. Always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great one. Beautiful. There is our pal Jeff Hamilton. Of course, Bomber Home Opener is Friday. 
going to be talking about the CFL line for week one coming up in a minute over a cool bet with my guy, Pat Gregoire. Uh, but folks, get ready for it. Get there early. It's going to be beautiful. Cheap beers, drink specials and whatnot at the Princess Auto tailgate party outside the stadium before the game. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations or online at princessauto.com. Thanks again to our pal Joe over at Consolidated Supply for those ticks we gave out in the marble race for the home opener. Of course, Joe's busy right now. He's the uh, go-to guy for irrigation systems over at Consolidated Supply. Been working with the golf course industry for years. Now they can do the same thing they do to the beautiful courses in Manitoba to your property. Give them a call if you need irrigation systems. Of course, Consolidated Supply is the leader in irrigation, artificial turf, new and used golf carts, and have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at their new showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Hey, speaking of that Bomber Home opener, popped into Royal on the weekend. Royal Sports is jam-packed with so much great Bomber gear. If you haven't got your blue and gold ready for Friday night, get on down to Royal Sports. Uh, They've got shorts, shirts, golf shirts, hoodies, tons of hats and more. Uh, And while you're there, you can check out that Bomber version of the WST hat. All the Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, headwear is available also at Royal Sports, Manitoba's number one sports superstore. With spring stock arriving daily, soccer, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, bikes as well. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina. And a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. Game two tonight, Stanley Cup final. No better place to get together with friends for the big game than your local BP. Enjoy ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings and gourmet pizzas and the latest from the BP feature menu. Stay in, order online at bostonpizza.com. All right. We normally get to our cool bet lines in and around now, but uh, a bit of a special segment right now because we got to bring in our good friend, Pat Gregor, man of many hats, two-time nominee for the NLL Media Person of the Year and winner last year, and uh, the guy that's actually providing winners on the lock shop when it comes to golf, and of course the RBC Canadian Open is now. But uh, let's welcome in also the country manager for our great partners at CoolBet, Pat Gregoire joins us now. Pete, Greggy, how the heck are you, my friend, coming off that big win for your boy Vic on the weekend? First things first, we got to thank you uh, because we've been working hard, you know, building up Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one, and you guys have been with us since day one. But I wanted to, A, bring you on to chat a bit, but also um, to kind of thank you guys for the support because we, uh, and we can tell you the feedback we've had from listeners that we're going to be able to make this happen and do shows all week from the NHL draft in Nashville. Uh, and not only will it be a great place to be when you consider everything that's happening with the Winnipeg Jets in the offseason. Um, but also, you know, as a lot of the other media companies aren't able to do it, having support from guys like you really from day one, but also for something special like this, I think means a ton to us as well as our viewers and listeners every day. So uh, first things first, I wanted to give you some dap and thank you for that. 
Oh, no problem at all, Huss. We, uh, when you reached out to the opportunity, we thought it was an absolute no-brainer. You, you talk about uh, us supporting you. Well, you and the listeners and, and all the, the folks listening, uh, whether it's, you know, with uh, WST or, or uh, even, you know, you on the lock shop, there's no doubt. Uh, you can see it in the numbers. People are using the, log, uh, the promo codes. People are backing you with your bets. So we know there's a lot of um, synergy when it comes to WST and cool bet so we thought it was a match made in heaven and and uh, you know what a little bit jealous that you guys are going to nashville that's one of my favorite cities uh in, in the states no doubt well we'll uh, look forward to having one of you guys jump on with us because there are a bunch of nhl draft props for it um but right now we've got week one of cfl dusty and i are getting ready to make those picks on wednesday and friday this week um but you're a big golf guy folks on wednesdays you can listen to pat jump on the lock shop with us and he's been firing darts lately at winners and uh and you know what we got to quickly talk about your guy Vic Hovland I mean he's been so close so many times he's won elsewhere signature win at the memorial yesterday for a young man that I think is going to be a very popular pick for the U.S. Open and maybe even the Open Championship as we continue through this year I've already got bets on him for for both those majors again I've come on the program so many times with you guys saying like this is this is the moment this is where he's gonna get it but when, when you look at his body work this year he's been so close especially in those big elevated uh, events, whether it's a, a major or a PGA elevated event. That's what it was this week. You look at the field. So you knew he wasn't going to stray away and, and, you know, not get up to the moment, but it was a matter of time. I don't know how much credit I can take really, because I, I legitimately almost was betting him every single week. It was bound to hit. Uh, he hit there. So we'll take it. I think that's now two in the last maybe month. So hopefully we'll, we'll stay hot here for the Canadian open. Yeah. We'll get into that on a Wednesday's lock shops. So you can join us. So should we go on at about noon Winnipeg time on our uh, Twitter panels, myself and Dustin Nielsen, uh, heading into Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know, people that are watching you on the YouTube might be saying, you know, Pat looks familiar. Where do I where do I know him from? And they might be lacrosse fans because, of course, I mean, lacrosse is, uh, you know, maybe a more niche sport, although it's got an incredible history here in Canada. But you just finished up another year as, uh, you know, doing color along with our guy, John Abbott, for the NLL season. How was that season? How was that final? Man, I was checking out the crowds between Buffalo and Colorado in the final series. And uh, it certainly seems that in the markets that have NFL, this sport is growing and incredibly popular. It's massive. It's It really is growing. And Buffalo's been a city, though. Uh, the, the Bandits have been around since 93, so they have a lot of history. Uh, but this is a, a, a group that uh, you know really, really supports. I think it was just uh, under a cello, over 19,000 in that building, the same arena that the Sabres play. Uh, and if you ask anyone in Buffalo, um, it, it is one of the best atmospheres in that city better than the Sabres. Uh, it's better than a Bison's game. It's probably on par or close to being as good as going to a Buffalo Bills game. And you know how crazy those people get for those games. Uh, but Colorado was great as well. Just over 10,000 fans uh, in Ball Arena as well. And you nailed it. It's a lot of those uh, NFL and NHL c- cities that you know really show out. But then you have some other unique markets like uh you look at Halifax, um, you know, they're close to about 10,000 each and every game. It was like every other home game, they were breaking their attendance record. Uh, in Saskatoon for the um, the Rush, they have a very rabid fan base as well. So, uh, and when you when you kind of bring it to a local uh, flavor, uh, 
I think I think Winnipeg would be a great spot for for an NLL team to come someday. Uh, obviously, arena availability is tricky with so many hockey teams and now a basketball team playing in that arena. But you look at Winnipeg, man. Whenever a team rolls to town, you guys support them so well. Uh, and the game itself at the grassroots level is growing more and more. We're seeing a lot of guys uh, go down to the United States on D1 scholarships. Uh, there's two guys in the NL right now from Manitoba, Luke Magnan, uh, on the Halifax Thunderbirds, and uh, actually Saskatchewan, the two other teams I mentioned. Uh, Jarrett Smith as well, just uh, a rookie this year in the NL. So the the growth of the game is certainly growing in Manitoba, and I just feel like it kind of matches the type of cities and the type of markets that do really, really well uh, in the National Lacrosse League. Pat Gregor is with us from both TSN coverage of the NLL and the uh, country manager for Quebec Canada. Patty, before we go, um, we'll get into the CFL Wednesday and Friday. Lines are up, though, and it was minus four and a half for the Bombers. It's now minus five um, over the course of uh, the last couple hours. Interesting. We'll see whether that gets a little bit higher. Wouldn't be surprised if we had a close game, to be honest, in that first one. But uh, And we'll talk golf on Wednesday when we'll get some picks for the RBC Canadian Open. Can't wait for this. But let's just quickly look at this game tonight. Vegas minus 136, Panthers plus 116. I have been on Vegas to win the series. I picked uh, six. I thought they deserved that game one win. I got a feeling the Panthers bounce back tonight at some nice plus money. What are you thinking about this game tonight for game two? I'm kind of leading the same way as you, and it's probably bad news for you and I, but uh, the majority of the public, especially at Cool Bet, is on the Panthers right now. Uh, 70, 77% of the tickets are on Panthers, and 63 of the money is on Panthers. So both the, it seems like the sharp money and the public is on uh, Florida to tie the series up. Uh, I certainly tend to agree. I think Vegas is the better team. I think Vegas is the team that's probably going to win the series. But if you've watched this Florida Panthers team in the postseason, they're not going down without a fight. And I think that if this is going to be an extended series, they have to win here tonight. They've been so good on the road, all series, uh, or sorry, all playoffs long. There, there's no reason why uh, you should be thinking that this series is done and over after one game. You mentioned it. They, they It's not even like they got blown up. The one thing that concerns me, um, obviously, uh, the discipline, um, taking some dumb penalties in the third period, which at that point it almost seemed like the game was out of reach. But I certainly really, really think this is going to be a close game, a close series. And I think Florida, like you said, ties it up here uh, going back to Florida. Uh, and I'm just looking right now at the exclusives. And again, just go in the exclusive tab. Uh, we've got some for the Jays tonight, Major League Baseball. Uh, Justin Bourne's cooking one up with an under six and a half and a Vegas win. So if you like that, that's plus 200. But five different options that have been put together, and those are always a little nicer number. So uh, make sure to check that out. Five options for the NHL Daily Exclusives. And I will make my pick official later at the Cool Bet Canada site. As, uh, I'm back. I, I warmed up, much like the weather here on the off week while Dusty took care of things. <laughs> and... I'm due for a very good week with our daily picks in the lock shop, so that'll be up a little later on today. Love. I, on the, the note of the exclusives, the one that I really like is uh, points from the point. That's been a kind of a running theme that we've had for each and every game or or at least one tonight. Uh, Brandon Montour and, and Shea Theodore are both to record a point. Theodore has been red hot. 
Uh, he's on that first power play unit, had a goal and assist uh, in, in that game in game one. Um, and I just think he keeps it going. Um, he's, uh, as I mentioned, he's on that first power play unit. I think he's got three in his last six. Uh, on the flip side, though, it's crazy to think. But Brandon Montour has not recorded a point since game one in that Leaf series. And when you think of how good he was at the start of the playoffs against Boston and in game one against Toronto, offensively he slowed down and just from a production standpoint. Uh, he's still logging about 25, 26 minutes a game. He's on that first power play. So I, I know it kind of sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but at the same time, I feel like he is due to, to get a point here, to have a oh. big game offensively and get back into the thing of things. And you were talking about on lock shop, like if, Florida's going to get back in this series. They need their best players to come up big. So you look at guys like Kachuk and Bennett. Well, I also look at their back end. I look like like a guy that really helped them get to this point was Montour, scoring from the point, getting those big goals on the power play, joining the rush. I think they got to get back to that. I'm going to ride with you on that one, and uh, I think I'm riding with the Panthers as well. Pat, again, thanks so much. We were so looking forward to Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft presented by CoolBet. Thanks so much, and uh, – We'll talk to you Wednesday. Keep the holster loaded with winners. Um, I can't wait. RBC Canadian Open will be a great field. Should be an awesome event. And uh, we're going to have lots of talk on that coming up in the next couple days before tee off at Oakdale on Thursday. Have a great one, pal. Thanks again for jumping on. Thanks for having me, boys. This was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Give him a follow on Twitter at P Greggy. And of course, give CoolBet a follow at CoolBet Canada. You'll see uh, either myself or Dusty Monday to Friday cranking out our favorite play of the day. And uh, again, huge thanks to the Cool Bet team for their support of us, really, since we got going. But especially making uh, you know these, this trip down to Nashville where I'm hearing that a bunch of the local um, outlets actually aren't going. So um, even a bigger opportunity for us to uh, you know kind of be go-to people and a go-to source for your Jets and sports information at such an important time of the year. Interesting how the business has uh, the business has changed. Again, get on over to Coolbet if you haven't played there before. 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to 200 bucks. You can use the promo code WST. Um, all right, we got to get Remo in here because. We got a couple more things to do here, including make our selections because the track is back. Um, I do have to give a shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug, though. And I've done some work for you, gang. Uh, that was part of what the preseason was. Figuring some things out. What's new? And I told you all last week what was new is that 1919 is now available at the stadium as Little Brown Jug is an official partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, I was only on the lower bowl. I imagine it would be the same in the upper bowl, but you can pick up 1919 at the Poutinery locations. And I want to say it's called Hometown Heroes uh, or the, the Hometown Grill. Um, so there's a couple spots on both sides. Pop by there. The Little Brown Jug 1919s were cold and delicious. And uh, shout out to everyone that had such a great time down at their Pride Weekend celebrations down at the... Uh, brewery and tap room down in the exchange um gold eyes are back tomorrow very much looking forward to that and of course generic lager is also available at the ballpark it wasn't a great weekend for the gold eyes but that's fine they didn't have a great start road trip to start off and they came back and uh, rattled off three straight series wins and got back at it so it's time to get back to winning it's time to get them back here to winnipeg six games in a row 
at Shaw Park <clears throat> begin tomorrow. Make sure to uh, get down there. And God, the weather is certainly going to continue to uh, cooperate. So no better time. I can't believe how great the weather has been for baseball at this point in the season. Of course, they were away for the hottest days. It's cooling down slightly. It might make it for better nights. Uh, but goldeyes.com for ticket information for the games on the weekend. And uh, as I mentioned, shout out to Braxton Kuntz, uh, Pride of Breezy Bend, men's match play champion for Golf Manitoba on the weekend. And of course, if you're thinking about making Breezy a long-term home for you and your family, talk to our pal Corey Johnson over at the course. The waiting list is growing for next season. Uh, but talk to them about getting on. You can find out more on Breezy Bend and everything it has to offer, including uh, places to have a wedding, for instance, uh, online at breezybend.ca. Uh, all right, let's get Remo back on. And uh, Remo, I got to tell you, um, this trip that we're going to be doing at the end of the week, I mean, knowing that some of the regular um, outlets might not be there, uh, the more I think about it, this is going to be a coup, I think, for us to be down there. But also, um, the more I talk with Dave and with Jeff, um, I just think that this is going to be as interesting a few weeks and as interesting a draft week as we've had maybe since the Winnipeg Jets came back in 2011. Yeah, Jeff was telling us that he's not going to be there. Ken, I don't think as well. Got to get my questions ready. Get ready, uh, Scott Brown, for us. Are you going full-fledged and- Big J? You I, I'm gonna have it to all. I, I crowdsource the other to. media and then uh, then get in there, mix it I, up. Yeah, and we'll be recording all the stuff and posting it on our YouTube. Um, this is gonna be uh, very very exciting. But as far as the Jets, that was really interesting. What Jeff was saying, like they have to make they're gonna have to make decisions on these guys if they want to let them walk after a year, if they want to resign them, and it seemed like. Or, you know, sorry, it's, I, sorry, it's, you know, like F, Mary kill. It's like, walk, let them walk, resign them, or trade them. And you got to choose which one you want to do for Dubois, Hellebuck, and Shafley. So you got to, so you got to let that game. Okay, what's, let, what's unique about that game is you have to do one of each. They don't have, they can't no, do one of each. Let I mean, one walk, <laughs> trade one, because Jeff was saying trade one and then resign the other. So resign Shafley. What trade? No, no, no. Hellebuck? Mary Hellebuck. Well, <laughs> like if they trade only one, I think that would be. Well, then, then you're re-signing Shifley, I think, because Dubois not re-signing. What you're letting Dubois go for nothing? That doesn't make any sense. No, and re-signing Shifley doesn't make any sense, from where I'm sitting. I yeah, mean, there still is going to be value, and like Dave said, this is why I won't go as far as thinking what, like, I'll put it this way: if what Jeff has to say, if that is the scenario that happens, I'll be really disappointed. Although, in a way, it might be good for us because it'll just mm-hmm. be more nonstop trade speculation well, throughout the entire year. Um, because if these guys are back and are not extended, I mean, how can it not be a matter of time before something happens around the league and they're traded, whether it's midseason or whether it's at the deadline? Um you know, and with the free agent class next year being very good and the free agent class being very tight, this is what Pooley said earlier on, and I totally agree with him. I think they're in a better chance, a better situation right now to make some deals. And if I'm a Mark Shifley, or if I'm a Pierre-Luc Dubois, more so Shifley than Dubois, if you can get me to a team that is interested in giving me an extension now, I am taking it. 
because who knows what happens this season. And on top of that, there is going to be a ton of competition for top-line players. And, you know, you don't want to be that guy that is a UFA that is kind of bet on yourself and all of a sudden finds yourself in a situation where you're thought to be on the downside of your career. There's some teams that for whatever reasons aren't interested in you and the other ones are in on bigger fish that are available. So um, there has to be some sort of clarity on these players, I think, going in. And I, I, and I don't think that anyone in the Jet front office would would disagree with that. Um, although, as I said, I mean, if all of a sudden Pierre-Luc Dubois is on this team, you know, throughout this year, or Mark Shifley, and either of those guys don't have an extension, I mean, I can't possibly imagine they get past the trade deadline with those guys still on the roster. I mean, losing players like that of that um, caliber for nothing is just not part of the playbook here in Winnipeg. I, at least that's from where I'm coming from, and I'm pretty sure that's the way the Jets feel as well. Yeah, well, I don't know. When Elliot Freeman like, went on TV and was like, not a rebuild. They are not. This was Elliot. They are not rebuilding. I made it really made me like if they're not rebuilding it, it made me think they're going to try it again with the same guys and try. They look, they got to the playoffs, you know, the, the what you know, they got they got such a tough matchup in the first round, has getting up against the Stanley Cup champions. So, you know, maybe next year, better draw and things will go better, go better for them. And well, look, if they're if they saying lose, they're not rebuilding, then why are they talking about listening for offers? On well, when guys? the phone rings, you answer it, you're always having conversations. Come on, don't you know how to be a GM? What, is someone's going to call you about a guy you're not going to listen? What hey, if they get, blow listen, the doors off an offer? Hockey. It's not fantasy hockey. Yeah, it's not. You know, not. <laughs> like, and, so, and because of that. And listen, I have a lot of, I mean, I feel for Chevy in some of these things, and I brought this up with Dave. Like, it's one thing to be Vegas or Florida where guys are asking out of certain places, and they're like, I'm only going to go three or four places. Uh, Winnipeg's not on those lists. So it's a hell of a lot harder job. Um, but that's the job and that's the situation the Winnipeg Jets are in right now. So, um, you know, maximizing trade value in return obviously is job number one. Um, and I do listen, I do think that they're trying to maintain confidence in, I guess, management and is the team going forward and who mean who wouldn't try and do that. But to be honest, the only way I think you could lose more confidence than some of the people have right now that has been waning, depending on who you talk to, would be to go back to start this season with guys like that on expiring contracts having not made the moves in the summer. Like, I can tell you, that's not going to help their season ticket campaign at all. Um, the vast majority of Jet fans, I think, agreed that, you know, there's major changes that need to be made. And it doesn't mean stripping it down to the studs. And if that's what everyone decides that is what a rebuild is, fine. It's not a rebuild. Um, but as we talked about earlier, if you join us later, there was plenty of different rewords that can be used. Um, but there's got to be some shakeup. And, and listen, even if it wasn't originally planned, the fact that you can't or haven't yet been able to get Pierre-Luc Dubois' name on a contract... And Connor Hellebrook's situation is what it is. Um, I mean, those two players are in their own category. If those guys were able to be re-signed, then you know what? You can move on from Shifley. You can figure out what's going to happen with Wheeler. And maybe you don't have as much moves. But those ones kind of have to happen, if you ask me. And the other guys are kind of be forced, forced into it. And that's the way things are. So I'm still expecting 
a very interesting month of June. And uh, as we talked about with Pat, our ability to be down there in Nashville for Monday through the week and the end of the uh, the draft on Thursday is going to be uh, a very, very interesting few days. And um, I would imagine we'll be having lots to talk about with boots on the ground there in Nashville. We certainly should. Yeah, that's, um, again, very fascinating. They all have one year left. What's going to happen? And I remember when, you know, a couple guys in the past went in the year or sorry, went into their final year. It was Toby Enstrom. What are they going to do? Are they going to re-sign him or trade him? Cause he don't want to lose him for nothing. He re-signed long-term. The other big one was, okay, are they going to re-sign Andrew Ladd or Dustin Bufflin? And eventually Bufflin re-signed and Andrew Ladd was traded at the deadline. And now you got three guys at once. Oh yeah. We, and we haven't even talked about, <laughs> haven't even talked about what's going to happen with Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon, who are also in the final year of their deal and this defense that needs to be addressed that wasn't addressed last year. So, you know, something is going to happen guys here. To me are a little different. I mean, as long as, as long as they figure out a, a move or two to avoid losing assets for nothing and hopefully make their defense a little bit better and more competitive, now, whether that's bringing in the young guys, whether that that's trading those young guys and getting some other prospects, I don't think it's a big deal to have DeMello on an expiring contract or Brendan Dillon on an expiring contract. I think you can still discuss with those guys, signing them at a later date. And I think that, you know, potentially you would move on those players at the deadline if you're not, you know, a real cup contending team. Um, but as I said, I mean, at what threshold? <clears throat> like, what would, what would it have to be? How good would this half team have to be next year to risk losing those players for nothing, a la Johnny Gaudreau? I mean, first place in the central. I mean, and 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 then what would happen if that was the case? I mean, I mean, I, I guess if you thought that you had a Brad Lambert or a Chaz Lucius, a Cole Perfetti, that were ready to be elite level centers, not next year but the year after, I guess maybe you do that. But I don't think it does you. Um, I, I don't think it does you. Um, well, long term to uh, to operate that way, and um, as I say, it probably a missed opportunity. Well, um, I'll I'll say this: you know, they're going to be in a situation that reminds me a lot of St. Louis, the year what they traded Stasny and Shattenkirk, where they were in a playoff spot, but still traded them at the deadline, or even Nashville this year, who was still fighting for a playoff spot, but did um, trade some assets at the deadline, like Nito Niederreiter and Tanner Janot. Which I was just looking at that haul they got was absolutely incredible, <laughs> and I think, like, I think the How Jets do you are going to say gonna, no to that. <laughs> yeah, the Jets are going to be at a similar spot if they hang on to these guys. Where what they're going to be a bobble playoff team, and you have all these guys on expiring contracts, and you got to make a decision what what you're going to do. So, uh, will they make that decision then, or will they get ahead of it and and do something this summer? It's funny. Uh, what T. Will said. In the chat, shout out to T. Well, frequent uh, commenters. Like, look, if Chevy didn't like the offers last year for Dubois with two years left on his, you know, team control, is he going to like what the offers are with one year left on team control? And that was shout out to Jeff mentioning the Jets haven't really liked some of the offers that they've been hearing for some of these players. Well, uh, granted, I will accept that. And. I think you could have Dubois come back for part of the year, but it has to be with the assumption that he's being traded at some point. 
Because I'm telling you right now, if a, a player like Dubois with what he brings to the table at the trade deadline, I mean, look at what Timo Meyer got this year. I mean, look at the prices that some of those teams paid for a player, players that they thought could be impactful. And I mean, Dubois, I mean, Dubois not Matthew Kachuk, but Dubois is a player that can do a lot of Kachukian things, if you will. Um, and even if it was a straight rental, I think that there would be plenty of interest for uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, Dubois. I also think it's important. I also think it's really important for them to move move away from, and like we've said, just listen to what Bonus said at the end of the year. Now, unfortunately, Dubois had his own disappearing act in Game 5. I mean, he's certainly not excused from that group. But when you look back to what happened with this team over the last couple months, the benching of Shifley, him going AWOL, and having to be moved to the, uh, moved to the wing, um, I'll tell you, there's one guy that I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that feels like they have to make a move involving that player in particular, and it's the guy that is the head coach in Rick Bonus. Yeah, again, fa- fascinating. Uh, what's going to happen here? You know, Dubois. If they're in a playoff spot, they could just see Dubois as a self rental, us at the deadline, and they'll just do that. He's a self rental. Look, instead of hey, instead of making moves at the deadline, we're just going to keep Dubois, and you know, he's going to walk. Can't you see that happening too? No, I can't. I cannot see that happening. Imagine I, it. Imagine if it did. Well, I mean, as I said, maybe we would be the only winners in the whole thing because we'd be talking about these damn trade possibilities and why everyone expects it to happen mm-hmm. for an extra six or seven months. And then we probably have an entire fan base losing their mind in the chat every day and going, what the hell are they doing? Uh, I just I'll can't believe wait that if, when I see it. I'll believe that when I see it. I don't think that's happening. If Dubois stays, I just can't wait for the next time. This is all hypothetical, but when the Jets go to Montreal, because yeah. remember how awesome the Jets Montreal visit was this year and how well they played oh, after year. on that road trip? Well, well, let me see that. You just brought up the Tanner Janot trade, and I see someone at Jay Miller saying that Janot trade was an insane move. So if Tanner Janot got that at the deadline, what's Pierre Luc Dubois worth? Hmm. Well, the Jets aren't rebuilding, so they wouldn't want all those draft picks. Us. They'd rather just keep them as a self-rental. Okay. They're not rebuilding. They don't want futures. Okay. Maybe is... some futures. That's what Elliot said. Some Some futures. Absolute nonsense from my partner here, Michael Lewis, today. <laughs> hey, listen, before we get to uh, the track, uh, I do want to shout out our friends at Aikens. Man, anyone get out in the water this weekend? Let us know if you caught anything big on the, uh, on the, on the water this week. Uh, whether you're an experienced fisherman or someone like myself that needs a little assistance, world-class fishing opportunities just a couple hours away with a short flight be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, and that is Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. We heading out there later on this summer for what really feels like the best three or four days of the year every year we head out. Um, and as great as the fishing is, the hospitality is even better. There truly is nothing like the Aikens experience for friends and family or corporate trips. Find out more at AikensLake.com or a Fire a tweet over at our pal Pitt Turan and he can fill you in on uh, what's still available for timing the rest of the year. All right, Remo, the wait's over. We had a we had the extra long wait these last two weeks without Wednesday racing, but summer is here and we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday racing at Assiniboia Downs and it's back at it tonight. Uh, 
You you are in the lead, so I will let you go first with your picks for tonight's races. Yeah, and our last day of racing, May 30th, I think we were both over, if I recall. So I do have a bit of a lead on you here still. Um, yes, so today, so oh, just quickly, June Yin, 5. Yin Vivian, put your money where your mouth is, us. hashtag cool bet. I guess I should maybe see if we could get some sort of some sort of exclusive, a hustler exclusive as to by July 1st, how many of these players will be traded. I might actually be able to make that happen. Anyway, sorry about that, Rima. <laughs> it just got caught by that comment. It was funny. We are talking about mm. Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we also chatted about, you know how the Bombers broke the Kenny Lawler news at like 3.30 after a show? I did confirm. Darren Dreger did tweet out that Pierre-Luc Dubois... Uh, accepted his qualifying offer on 3.30 on a Friday. That did happen. So that was yeah. just going going back to a discussion from last weekend. Hey, if everyone made it this far on the show, uh, shout, shout it to everyone. So uh, hit hit the thumbs up here. I don't know if any podcast people tune in to the end as well, but uh, come join us on, on, on YouTube as as well. But here, I'll well, do my pick. Does. They wish the show was four hours, uh, four hours every day. It gets, yeah, this it gets fun <laughs> after 3 o'clock. Um, but here's the my picks for tonight. I'm doing an exacta first, second, in any order. It's a two dollar exacta, so four dollars total. Uh, race one, two six, zipping to impress and get up early. I got those two. That's race one. Race two. I'm doing a tractor box. I swear I've done this box before. Guaranteed delivery. Bite the bullet, bro, and not afraid. Uh, one, two, three, in any order. Yes. Uh, bite the bullet, bro, I, and guaranteed delivery. The two horses with no spaces in their names. I think those are bet been bet frequently. Um, race four. I've got another triactor box. Two, five, six. That's shotgun one. All terrain Jane and Amma's star. I got those. And my last one, race five, tip picking a straight winner, four dollars on. Uh, what do I have here? Race seven, Mia Bear. I've picked that one quite. Oh a bit. yeah, Mia Bear is a winner one a from last season for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going with two straight up winners for my first bet. Number four in race number three, Queen in the North. Four bucks on the Queen. Race number four. Going with horse number five, All-Terrain Jane. Great name for a horse. Yes. Doesn't matter whether, what the conditions are. It could be a thunderstorm with a ton of rain beforehand, no problem. Yeah, no. All-Terrain <laughs> Jane is ready to go. Uh, and then race number six, I have, this could be a little chalky, uh, a one, two, five. One two five triactor. Uh, so yeah, Chicago's great and Saxon Saga, and I love my life for the top three rated horses. That probably won't be a big one, but it would be nice if it came in. And then race number seven is one three and five race seven. So I've got uh, Big Endeavor, <laughs> Dazzling Mischief, who was good with last year, and then a bit of a longer shot, Short Rib, at twenty to one. So uh, let's see if we can get those Whoa, three in rib. the first three. So that that would be a nice one. That that's a bit of the uh, the long, 
the big swing, if you will, Reem. Um, but yeah, Cinnaboy Downs is back. Uh, if you want to go, and I know Tequano Polly was saying we had to get back out and um, steal the show again. What a great time we had in the dining room with our winners last year. We will certainly do another event like that, and we'll probably do a big event, just inviting everybody down, maybe get a little bit of food for some people and uh, host on. I'll talk to Double D and Sherry and the gang over there about making that happen. But in the meantime, you can find out more at Assiniboia Downs. Oh, and one other thing that I should mention, Reem, where mm-hmm. is this email? Um, speaking of the gold eyes, this is a uh, this is a non baseball related bit of information, but you know the gold eyes have done such a great job moving to uh, all local beer for now the second straight season. It's been a huge huge hit with fans. Craft beer corners packed every night, and um, you know if you see the beer guys uh, walking around, I mean there's literally like you know at times there'll be a dozen or fourteen different options for you in one guy's rack. Uh, but in partnership with Manitoba's breweries, the Gold Eyes are hoping are are hosting the second annual Ballpark Brew Fest on Shaw Park on Saturday, January twenty second. The event's going to showcase Manitoba's vibrant craft beer industry at a unique venue that's already a strong supporter of the local beer scene. Um, so very similar to Flatlanders, which we both attended on the weekend. Prices are sixty bucks, including taxes. Provide the guests the opportunity to sample all Manitoba breweries in one convenient location. Designated drivers may purchase tickets for fifteen bucks, including taxes. I'm not sure why you'd want to go to Beer Fest if you are a driver, um, but each ticket holder receive a voucher receivable for a dog or burger from Goldie's Grill or a slice from Little Pizza Heaven, and uh, this is just another way. And, and here I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. Of all of the beer, uh, beer fest, brew fest participating breweries, in addition to our gang down at Little Brown Jug, Barnhammer, Blackwheat Brewing, Brazen Hall, Dead Horse Cider, Devil May Care, Farmery Estate, Fort Gary, Good Neighbor, Half Pints, Inner Lake, Kilter, Lake of the Woods, Little Brown Jug, as I mentioned, Low Life Barrel, Non Such, One Great City, Oxus, Rendezvous Brewery, and Taproom. Section 6, Sucrum, Stone Angel, Torque, Trans-Canada Brewing, and the Winnipeg Brew Bombers. So uh, make a note for that. It's Saturday, July 22nd, um, and you can uh, jump on their website and get uh, reserved tickets. I imagine those will sell out. It was a perfect way to uh, segue just quickly to finish up the show, Remo, and some of the highlights of the weekend. And I know you took in Flatlanders on Friday night, I had the incredibly aggressive schedule of the afternoon shift at the Flatlanders Beer Fest on Saturday and then taking in all that the great people of Transcona had to offer at the High Neighbor Festival. It was in probably two of the hottest bars of my life on uh, on Saturday night between the Spike and the Pandora Inn as it got busier as how hot it was. But um, I survived. I appreciated all the thoughts and prayers for my well-being. And um, it was a hell of a great day. Did you have a good time at Flatlanders? I did have a really good time. And one thing that stuck out, stood out to me at the Flatlanders this year compared to previous years, and we've noticed it here on this show, we talk about the Canadian club ready to drink, CeCe and Ginger Ale, how many more of these types of beverages there are. Uh, I know it's, it's called the Beer Festival, but I'm wondering if they're, pretty soon they're going to change it to the Beverage Festival. I'm not a big alcohol 
I prefer the the beers, but there was like old fashioned in a can. I had tried some of the lemonade, I think vodka drinks. Dude, that one, that pink lemonade one, and I'm yeah. not sure what the company was. That was awesome. And then um, the other one, oh yeah, there was one kiosk that had like cream, a cream soda beverage that tasted like pure sugar. It was amazing. And they had like an orange crush one. These had you wouldn't know they had alcohol in them. Alcohol in them. Very dangerous. Did you uh, try the, uh, speaking of those, the uh, Tahiti Treat? I missed that one. Tahiti Treat, like uh, Spike Tahiti Treat. Yeah. They, In I mean, cans, it looked like the same one. They just happened, I guess. Uh, any you kind can add of, vodka to pretty much anything right now. You can get, yeah, that the market of like ready to, you know, pre-mixed drinks. Like there was Caesar, like pre-mixed Caesar in a can, like everything there. So that was it's not a mark, you know, an area that I dabble in, but um, interesting, interesting to see a new market uh, come out at the Flatlander. Oh, I see T Kona Polly uh, has Huss. How'd I miss you at High Neighbor? Huss, don't T Kona know how to party? Both of those are correct. Uh, I, just a quick synopsis of the High Neighbor Festival from my perspective. It, unbelievable! Like I couldn't believe, first of all, like how big it is. I mean, you know, you see some of these little kind of rinky-dink fair carnival-type things set up in mall parking lots or something. This was massive. I mean, it went all the way down, uh, I believe, whatever, yeah, Regent, um, for, God, three or four blocks with, like, a big-time, basically a midway, rides on one of the other side streets for another couple blocks, and, like, far better rides than you would have. I didn't go on any, but, uh, you know, you would have sort of that some of these smaller events. Amazing uh, carnival food. Needless to say, I need to eat after I need to eat big time after three hours at Flatlanders. Um, had a couple corn dogs, had some mini donuts. I mean, just the full carnival spread, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, I've never seen so many teenagers together in one spot at the same time. Uh, I can't imagine there was a single teenager from Transcona that was not down there at that time. And then, I mean, a good friend of mine who will remain nameless, huge Canadian classic rock guy, was all fired up to see Prism. And at Prism, uh, there was a dude that was watching the entire show with a parrot on his shoulder. I had taken a picture earlier of him with the parrot on his shoulder. I then didn't want to stand any longer and wanted to watch the third period of the hockey game. So I went back to the bar and then the guys came back and met me afterwards and informed me that by the end of the show, the guy had parrot shit all over his shoulder and back. I'm not sure whether he thought that one out when he was bringing his parrot out to hang out to see Prism. But uh, a little bit of everything. Someone unfortunately barfed outside of the Pandora in the afternoon. That was there. No one even blinked an eyelash at it. Uh, it was just part of uh, everything that High Neighbor is. And the coolest part about it all, people were thinking about, you know, why do they call it the High Neighbor Festival? Literally, people will walk by each other and they don't know. And they just say, Hi, neighbor. And they respond, Hi, neighbor. It's uh, a one of a kind place, incredible people. And to Tikona's, uh, Tikona Polly's um, point, um, that Spike and the Pandora that night, uh, we were there sort of the Pandora earlier on, the Spike later on after the game, and it was absolute bedlam there. Uh, there's nobody around, at least around the city of Winnipeg. There are some rural spots that probably can hang. 
Uh, but there's nothing like Tikona, and that's why we wanted to take in the High Neighbor Festival. It was a hell of a lot of fun and uh, highly recommended if you like a good time and are not pretentious in the least. Yeah, sounds awesome. Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, awesome there, Hustler. Uh, might have to check that out one time. As, as we wind it down, I forgot to do this last week. We've got to give a shout-out to Rick Delane, Hus. He's yes. driving the WST car at Victory Lane Speedway and other racetracks around Manitoba, Ontario, North Dakota, Minnesota. He it was like second race of the year, and uh, and he had a win on Thursday at Victory Lane. And the week before, Hus, his car was in a wreck. He had to rebuild it just in time. The precious WST logo. So this car is so awesome. Shout out to Rick. He's been driving with our logo on the car for a couple of years now. And uh, he's putting up some W's. It was our with... first massive sponsorship uh, in- yeah. endorsement, um, you know, when we uh, when we got into it. And as we've grown, so has Rick. Winning races right now, letting everyone know what's up. And uh, uh, Victory Lanes, if you haven't been out there, that is a really, really fun night. Um, <laughs> I, you got to ride in one of these things. And it is amazing how fast they go on a relatively small track. Uh, but Rick's been doing it for a long time. He's one of the best around here, and uh, we are very proud. Look at that. The checkered flag coming out the window with WST on the hood. How good is that? That looks so awesome. And, yeah, getting it, getting a chance to go into that car and yeah, hearing how loud it was up close, very cool, very cool. And there's there he is with the checkered flag. So we have to give him a, a shout-out here at the end. You got it. Um, uh, great show today. Well, geez, we went long on Mondays. We often do that. I mean, Dave Poole was amazing. If you some, if you came late today, folks, make sure to check out our uh, segments earlier with Dave and uh, great bomber stuff with Hammer as well. Um, and then of course Pat Gregoire. Great to have Pat on. A huge thanks to Coolbet again for uh, making this uh, week in Nashville possible. Um, that is going to do it for us. Maybe we'll see you at the track tonight. Thinking about, uh, I'm definitely going to get there in the next three days. We'll see whether tonight is going to be the night. Uh, but it might be perfect because you can do the track tonight and then the ball game tomorrow or Wednesday once the Gold Eyes get back to start another home time. Don't forget fireworks night and Carrie Anderson throwing at the first pitch on Saturday at the ballpark as well. But thanks to our guests, Pat Gregoire, Jeff Hamilton, and Dave Poulin and all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. And uh, great turnout in chat today. Enjoyed everybody, everybody uh, <laughs> with their comments. And yes, Sklarty, just like the car, WST often gets wrecked, but retools and gets right back in the rain. Yeah, we always push back from the WST car and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we'll get these pods up right now so people can listen to the audio feed. Gang, have a great one. Tomorrow on the program, Feinberg is going to join us from Oakdale at the RBC Canadian Open. He's doing recon right now, boots on the ground. We'll have him there. Uh, Mark Zucchino on Wednesday. Mike McIntyre tomorrow for more. Uh, and, of course, we'll have uh, more on Game 2 tonight of the Stanley Cup Final. Enjoy it wherever you are watching it. Uh, have a great one. And whatever you do, be back here tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.